so check it. So for the first time in in history, well, his history, I guess. Um, do you know uh, Eminem? You know Marshall Mathers? The Eminem? Yeah, you ever heard of him? Backwards Mini Me? Yeah, I got it. <laughs> okay. His name backwards spells Mini Me. It spells M and M. Yeah, spell it backwards. Marshall Mathers. M yeah. and then another M. Yeah, but, but that was too long. It's so Mini Me. It's in a it. song. Min, min, min. Anyways, so for the first time in his history, mm-hmm. he lost a rap battle. What do you mean he lost? Okay, so to I've the been, game? I've been wanting to talk about this for a while, but I haven't okay. brought it up because I wanted to wait and see if he would respond, but he right? didn't. That means he took an L. In what sense, though? He didn't respond. Does he have to? Uh, I would say if like I threw out a diss at him, no, he doesn't have to respond. <laughs> but if the game is throwing out a diss at him, of course he has to respond. Because name, he's that big. Do me a favor. Do me a name. Or do me a favor real quick. Name five game songs. Five game songs? Yeah. Okay, well, you just put out the Black Slim Shady. No, 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 no. None of that new... Nothing off the new album that you've listened to because you knew... Eminem was on it. Tell me five songs from back in the day or any of his older shit. From back in the day? You yeah, got pre this album. Okay, documentary. You got Hate It or Love It. Uh, you got How We Do, which was the singles. Um, okay. He had that Ali, Ali Boombaye song. Ali Boombaye. Uh, right. The Jesus Peace song was on that shit. Um, he had the uh, Martians vs. Goblin shit off the uh, the Red album. He had the fucking 50 Cent disc, which was like 300 bars. Then he did 500 bars. Game is solidified, bro. But people okay, are downplaying well, so that, it. F- that fucks my, my theory up because I can't name five game songs. Well, you can't, but I'm not you into can't it come like to you. me with shit like that. Well, yeah, that's true. But like, I, I don't know. Like Outside looking in, it doesn't look like... Like, why would he give a fuck, bro? He is literally chilling with fucking Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, two people that mean more to the world than the fucking game ever will. Okay, Um, well, why did he respond to MGK then? Because... Why did he fucking write disses about Mariah Carey then? Or Nick Cannon? Or Cannabis? Or ICP? Or Britney Spears? Or NSYNC? Or Backstreet Boys? Or fucking Ja Rule? at the time. I... I'm not Eminem, but I, I don't know. I mean, like, maybe he's at the point now where he's older and he's like, man, I don't give a fuck. Say whatever the fuck you want. I've made so much fucking money. I'm hanging with my boys. Fuck you. And, and I'm here Congratulations. to say this. As a diehard Eminem fan, uh, that's an L. And it goes much bigger than that. The game put out the album. And the album, although it was like 30 or 31 tracks, was phenomenal. 31? Uh, 30 or 31. Jesus. And the amount of features he had on it was incredible. All great features. The production of it was insane. 10 out of 10. Uh, I would give the album altogether maybe like a B- or a C+. Uh, Mm. But then to put 
the black Slim Shady on top of that. And the way that he did it, that is by far the best and most calculated, thought-out diss to the supposed greatest rapper ever in history, in his history. Nothing compares to that diss, in my opinion. Are, are you talking disses ever? Uh, disses because when to two- Eminem. Okay, I was about to say, because when Tupac dissed Bad Boys, that song was fucking wild. Fuck your bitch. Uh, no. Also, I don't think that's the greatest diss ever. Uh, but I, yeah, top five. I don't think it is either, but like it, it's up there. Top five. Uh, but that's more so just because of the culture of it and how big right. shit was and how legitimate that beef was. I mean, both right. of them the died. The East Coast, from West it. Coast, right? But all in all, it's an L. When Push T dissed Drake, even though the only reason he won, or or he would have won, even if Drake did respond, was because he exposed that Drake had a kid. That's the only reason. Right. Uh, so if you talk about like, oh, he's so big, blah, blah, blah. Drake's always going to win the war when it comes to anybody. Oh, he yeah. May not, because- he may not win the battle, which he didn't, but he's always going to win the war. Oh, yeah. He comes out smelling like a rose, man, every right. time. So, and whether he has a ghostwriter or not, his comebacks, when he did shit with Meek Mill, those disses were when he incredible. wrote back to back. It was fucking beautiful. That's still a good song to listen to, even if it's not looking at it at a diss. I still think Free Smoke was uh, better than Back to Back. I but, agree, but Back to Back, I listen to more. I just, it's catchy. It's like, I'm God troublemaker damn. in the neighborhood as far as troublemaking goes. Like, that song was so good, dude. But yeah. all in all, that's an L. For now. Uh, how long do you fucking wait, though, dude? Like, back in the day, you had Max when shit was on cassettes. I don't know, 10, 20 days maybe. So I understand why M takes forever because when, when he dissed MGK, that shit took like two weeks. And he did a whole fucking rollout for it. Like right. press conferences with Sway that were fucking scripted and it was garbage. But he still, he still put something out. This time he didn't. I don't think he is either. I mean, it just goes, see, you're going to have a different outlook than me because like I'm looking at it at the thought of like, who the fuck does Eminem have to answer to and why does he give a fuck? The game in my, this is definitely outside looking in because I don't keep up with it like you do, but I'm looking at it at the fact of like, who gives a fuck, man? From all the stuff I've looked and that's been on Twitter and shit lately, I look at the game as like, oh, who's he fucking upset with now? He was cool with two hours ago and uh, like plenty of interviews. Like, you don't know, you don't want to mess with him, blah, blah, blah. And right. now he's like, I'm better. Okay. I'm better. So like, he came out with another side, interview man. where he finally explained why he was going to go in that direction. And that's, he said it perfectly. He said, if he's God, then I'm going after God. Yeah, didn't he say because 50 ain't shit? Yeah, he said 50 can't rap, which kind of hurts the argument that 50 wrote all his shit in a documentary. Well, so, like, I mean, get rich or die trying, like, shut shit down top when five. it came out. 
Top five. I think it was, I think I watched an interview with Snoop Dogg, maybe, where he was like, uh, he was like, y'all need to hurry up and put shit out if you're going to put it out. Right. Because when, when 50 drops get rich or die trying, it's going to shut shit down for a while. And it did. And it's still the, the fucking movie, the, the album is such a good fucking album. Yeah. Cover, cover to fucking cover. It's great. It is. And, and for me personally, I couldn't give a fuck about the game. There's like two songs that he's on that I'm like, like I like his verses and shit, but I cannot listen to a full album of him. So I agree with you up until now. Right. He he has made a lot of good songs, but he cries on every one. Like I went into this album going, okay, we have 30 or 31 tracks out of those. Let's see how many times he says Dr. Dre. And so I started listening to it and I'm like, he's not saying it. So then I'm like, so, all right, let me pay attention so to content. Hold on now. and explain to me the significance about him saying Dr. Dre. He says it in every fucking song. If you go to every album before this, every fucking song, he says something about Dre. In like a negative standpoint? Nope. Or? All positive. About how he wishes shit would have been different. And him and Dre could be cool and make music together. And blah, blah, now fucking is, blah. Is and there, suck his dick. Is there industry beef or gang beef there? Industry. It's all industry. Gotcha. Yeah. When when everything with Eminem has never been anything with gangs. Well, no, I mean like Dre in the game. I, I no, that's no... just Dre staying true to to M. I would believe. Right. So, and again, coming from a very big Eminem fan, everybody knows this, but that was an L. His what was first it? an L. An he, L. Yeah, he takes an L for that. I've just heard it so many times in the last 10 minutes. I just wanted to make sure I was hearing it correctly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dude, I, I unfortunately, I don't know enough about it, but I can only see it from my side of the street where I'm like, I don't give a fuck about the game. I could fucking, I can rock you like every fucking album that Eminem's put out in the past 10 years. Not me. Like, I, I can get down with it, but you're you're difficult when it comes to music. You like shit that I love. You're like trash. Stuff I that like, I'm like things man, that, that rocks. You're like trash. I like music that has content and replay value. You cannot name one fucking song in the last ten years that Eminem has put out that has any replay value to you at all. So his whole uh, recovery album. Love that it. was longer Love. than 10 years ago, bud. Was it? Yeah. What was it, like 12? Let's verify. Hold on, we're going to verify, so keep going I while I verify. it came out in like 2010. So then maybe he hasn't been relevant, but I mean, at the same time, bro, the game was never relevant to me. And the fact that he wrote a diss, I still haven't even listened to it. Don't care. And, and I just, I don't like his music. Do I like the fact that he like gangbangs and, and still fucking... 2010. Br- 12 okay, years so ago. This is 12 years ago. It's close. So but name that, that was in a the past album. 10 years. I don't know. That you still him. got, that you still have on repeat. I have no albums from either party. Uh, it's just, it's not there. He has now, no replay Ga- value. What was the album? Was it Kamikaze? Don't get me wrong. That album was, was that an fire album? when it came out. But ain't nobody still listening to that shit. Gabby still listens to it. That That is... She does love that album. 
All right, we have one um, person still listening to it. We a have white lady. one out of eight million. A white lady that loves <laughs> horses really appreciates your hard work, Eminem. <laughs> All right, start fuck a podcast. All right, what up? I'm Luke. I'm Kyle. And your rule of today is hunting. This is an episode that Kyle wanted to get with me with about hunting and uh, like the lifestyle of it because it's it's so important to me. So I'm excited to answer his questions, tell good stories, and hopefully it's an interesting podcast. But before we start talking about hunting, I have news for you. For me or for listeners? Both. But it's going to excite you because you're the only one listening to me at this second. Today is September 14th. Do you know what tomorrow is? Uh, September 15th? Correct. And the motherfucking Mexican pizza from Taco Bell. Get the fuck out! Tomorrow, dog. Are you serious? Yes, sir. I just saw it on their Twitter uh, like a couple hours ago, which I know is the fattest thing I've ever said on this fucking podcast. But I will be there at fucking 11 o'clock sharp. And yes, I've already pre-ordered it on the app. I pre-ordered <laughs> two of them motherfuckers. <laughs> so... That is, I just wanted to remind you so you can get Taco Bell for lunch tomorrow. Fuck yes, man. Dude, I'm so excited. I can't wait. I cannot fucking wait. All right. I, I knew it was coming back in September, but I didn't know, like I didn't have a date or anything. I honestly Bro, forgot about it. I didn't. I, I fucking, it, that has been the single most greatest thing on the Taco Bell menu ever since All they time. got rid of the original grilled stuff burrito. No, fuck that. See, there we go. Garbage. I love it. He thinks it's trash. All right. So uh, it is currently hunting season. Uh, it started back uh, two weekends ago. And right now it's just goose. I mean, for me, I think squirrel and rabbits in, in Virginia, but uh, we've only been chasing geese the past two weeks and it's been a fucking nightmare. Why would you say it's been a nightmare? They're not there. Well, they're there, so... Uh, Nobody told them it was time to die? Exactly, and they <laughs> fucking left. So with, with this region that I'm in, we have a what's called a resident population. And our area in Virginia, so that would be like Shenandoah, Warren County, Page County, and stuff like that in this little triangle at the tip of Virginia, we have... The, the majority of the resident population. So that's, that's birds that aren't going to back to Canada to breed. They're staying here in Virginia. Um, so that's what we're hunting in the early season. And they, they are so used to just doing, they'll go to the river. They'll go to little ponds here. And so I may be watching two to 300 birds on the river roost there, which is, you know, they always sleep on water. Okay, hold, um, hold on. What's roost? Okay. So roosting is just where they go to like sleep. So okay. um, ducks and geese always roost on water. They don't roost on land. They don't go and do anything on land. Now, a wood duck... They which shit we'll on all land. These, yeah, well, they eat there. Throughout the day, they're on land, and a wood duck will actually go into the woods. But a, a, Is that why they call it a wood duck? Yes, and it's I don't know unoriginal. if wood ducks... They, they're beautiful birds, bro. <laughs> They're my favorite. They're my favorite duck to shoot, aside from like a pintail. But we'll get into species later. Um, 
a wood duck might roost in a tree, but I don't think so. A lot. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and judge and say a good percentage of the birds all roost on water due to predators. Uh, Okay. Makes sense. Right. So there's, uh, we have the Shenandoah river that runs through my area and you have the North and South fork on the South fork near me. You'll see two to 300 birds on that river. And then when it's time for them to go feed during the morning, they go out to sporadic places. Um, with migrating birds, they'll be in a spot for like a good week. You can, you can really pin down and pattern the birds so you can have a good hunt. Fucking resident birds in September, you have no fucking idea what they're going to do one day to the next. I got a, a trail cam picture of 100 birds on a Friday, right? We go to hunt them Saturday. We kill seven. That's all that came in. That's all we saw. So is it like you're, so like during this time, is it you're trying, like they're trying to figure out where home's going to be and that's why they may be there one day, but not like there the next day? No, it's, it's because like, there's just so many places to go. It's been really wet this year. It's rained a lot. So a lot of ponds are filled and you know, if they don't, one flock of this 300 some odd birds doesn't like the way this field looks, they'll just go to another field. And they'll, they'll, 90% of the time, it's somewhere you can't hunt or uh, someone won't give you permission, which re- note the permission thing because uh, it's just, that's a huge part of waterfowl hunting. Okay. Um, and, it, and it's really fucking aggravating. But it, it, I don't, I, I'm not a scientist. I have no idea. But all I know is, is like, there's no way to correctly track them. You'll, you'll see, like I said, a hundred and some on a pond one day on a Friday. We see and shoot seven Saturday, and that's it. We hunted until noon. Didn't see a single fucking bird. So you're saying that, that seven Monday, is a small number? Seven shit, bro. Really? Um, for me, personally, because the, the limit in September is 10 per person. Per day? Per fucking day, bro. Wow. Now, when it, that's only in September. So that's when you a go lot to, of death. A lot of death. Uh, when you go to like your November and December and January and February months, that's when it gets into five a person. But like where you live in the middle of Virginia over to the coast of Virginia and Maryland and Delaware, they're only allowed to shoot one bird a day. Well, and why is, is that? That's because there has been a problem with the breeding. Oh, so um, it's like population control? Essentially. There, okay. there has been... Um, they're saying the numbers are down in the resident population and also the numbers are down in the migration population. Okay. So, um, but it just, it's so I've been on a couple hunts. I can't do too much with, uh, before I get surgery, but, um, I've gone on a couple hunts, uh, the one I mentioned. And then, uh, the other day we go to go hunting and we've been watching like, uh, birds come in in small flocks, which is kind of what you want when you're hunting. Uh, you don't want all, because we were watching 70 birds. We don't want all 70 birds to come in at once. Why not? It'd be to easier to hit. No, not at all, bro. What? Yeah, it's, it, it, you'd think so. But like, so say you have 70 birds, right? We're watching those. Five to 10 birds come in at each time and you're with people. You're going you're gonna to be able to focus on the small group a small group will be willing to commit to your decoys and you're going to hammer them. All 70 come in, you're not going to get as many as you would if they came in three to 10 birds at a time. Okay. Um, 
But when we went to hunt that field, all 70 birds came in at once. And then your hunt. So once, once those 70 birds in and you're in the resident September season, you, there's not going to be birds migrating over you. It's not cold enough. They haven't left the prairies of Canada. You know, it's just your hunt's over. So September is just a real pain in my ass. Okay. So that's what we've been doing here lately. But um, there's also, uh, I, I've, I haven't been able to do much this year, unfortunately, but there's also a... Well, that's uh, kind of why I wanted to do this episode is because... Right. A couple different reasons. Well, I know you're injured right now, so that means you're going to be missing a lot of everything you love to do. Oh, yeah. So I figured if we sit down and talk about it, maybe that will make you a little less upset or it might piss you off more that you're not doing it. Either way. Well, I mean, it, it's, uh, it fucking sucks either way, but I'm hoping after surgery next week that it'll be a quick recovery time and I can just kind of get back to it. I hope so, man. But I mean, I, I also know how much you love it um, and how much I'm interested in it. I mean, I've been telling you for years now that I want to come hunting with you. So I'd like to just talk about from a person that knows nothing about it to a mm -hmm. person that knows a lot about it. So right. like educate, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Cool. So I, I definitely want to hear about your hunting trips that you take every year. Um, mm -hmm. More so just because I like hearing stories about your grandfather. Um, right. But I also want to hear about, because you do another trip too. Don't you go to like one of the Carolinas? Yeah, so um, we have a spot called uh, Jack Smash Hunt Club. And I talked about it in our last episode. That's where we go down to my grandfather's best friend that he met from the military. Uh, we go down to their land every year, or at least we try to. It was a lot more when I was younger, but we go down there to go deer hunting and visit with them. Okay, so, so like... That's always... Meant a lot. So like, cause this is going to kind of be like an interview almost. So like, I'd like to ask a lot of the questions I have, and then I know there's going to be some things you want to talk about. And then I think okay. it'd be cool to end with your Dakota trip. What is it? South or North? South. I think it'd be cool to end with that. I'm down, man. I, I could talk about both all day. Okay. Well, I guess where would we even start? So, like, because you hunt different things different times of the year, right? Correct. So, like, right now is just geese and duck? Well, no. So, um, Or is there, like, a time limit by law? So, there's limits by law. When you, when each June, the state of Virginia puts out your regulations for the year. So, they change uh, every year? They have stayed pretty persistent for me, but they, they put them out every year so that no, everyone's, I mean, like, like if you started hunting this year, you're not going to know what any of it is. So those regulations need to be readily available to you. Okay. So give me like, give me like some big highlights of the regulations. Like what are you, what's like a big no, no. So, uh, a big thing to learn the difference between like your seasons, your shooting light, which is when you can and can't shoot um, a, or discharge a, a firearm, bow, whatever. So uh, we'll start with the season. So in September right now, 
for my area in Virginia, we have a early doe season because there's this thing called CWD, which is chronic wasting disease that is in my county and I think six other counties in my area of Virginia. So they're trying to kind of like thin the population out a little bit with to like stop the spread us- of it. Correct. They should have did that so with COVID, stopped- bro. Yeah, just kill people. <laughs> um, so they've they've stopped all baiting in those counties, which I've never been able to bait in my county, anyways. So okay, so what is me. a what what is baiting? Like you put like a salt stick out. Yeah, so you have like salt blocks, apples, corn. So you're basically like- putting traps out to where you keep get the, like getting them to come back and trusting Correct. it, and then you kill them. Yeah. And and the Horrifying. state looks at that. Oh, it's great. <laughs> anyway, uh, the state looks at it as a uh, attractant, I guess they would say. Okay. Um, and also, they have going to that CWD. They've also in my county. I might. It's either my county or all of Virginia. You can't use natural dough urine. Like when you go into what is called the rut, which I'll explain more about that later you want to use dough urine because it has a certain attractant to it to bucks right and you have to use a synthetic version of that now because they have found traces of cwd in the natural shit so you're telling me that you wake up at three o'clock in the morning and make bucks think that they're about to get some ass but really they're gonna die correct horrifying now now, me personally, <laughs> I'm not that good of it. Uh, I've only shot two big bucks in my life. Um, but, like, yeah, I mean, people people out west are way better at deer hunting. But Okay, I've so you said been... so you said seasons. Now, does the season dictate what you can kill and also the types of ammunition you can use? Because I know that, like, here in Caroline, there's, like, a black powder season. There's a bow mm-hmm. season. There's a like full on buckshot season. So like, what yeah, what do the so, seasons consist of? So each it's different in each county. So you have to look at your counties. So for your counties, you'll have uh, a lot of time for bow season. Usually it goes bow, black powder, rifle, and then it could go into some type of late season. So for my county, Frederick County, Virginia is the easiest fucking county to keep up with. All of October is bow season. First two weeks of November is black powder, and the rest of it until January, like the first Saturday in January, is rifle. And you can Uh, shoot buck or doe either day, whatever you want. Why? How can you shoot birds right now then? If you're saying it's not until October. Or is that just for deer? That's just for deer. Okay, so... You have a different... Each species has its own season. So what's like a goose season? So for us, again, speaking in my... What we call the resident population zone. Because there's three zones. You have the resident, the James, and the Atlantic. There's those three zones. So in my zone, uh, it is from September... This It's like the first day of september to the 25th of september is goose only okay Uh, so you get 25 days to hunt goose okay but once it passes can you still hunt geese 
No. Once that day goes out, you have to wait till the next season opens. So you're um, saying that you're pretty much missing all of Goose season because of your foot? No, not really, because it comes back in in November. Oh, okay. So it'll yeah, go yes. it'll go geese in September, bow season for deer in October, and then it starts mixing up deer and geese. Right. So, and then you have ducks too, which have their own. So, um, a duck season is what we call early duck season, which is when you really hunt wood ducks a lot. Is the second Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday in October. So you get four days of early duck to hunt. And then... Um, so it's like preseason. Essentially, yeah. It's kind of like that September goose season, but you have it for four days with duck. Okay. So they come in separately, September, October. And then in November, they come in together. Usually about the third week in November, it comes in for two weeks. You can kill goose and duck. And Does that still then, count towards your 10 a day? Like if you mix no, it up? No, 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 no. Um, so once it gets, 10 a day is only for September. Anything after September is five a day for geese. And then you have a six duck limit, but it, it splits it up into species. So you can kill two mallard, three wood duck, uh, one pintail, one black duck. And they have, they, I mean, that's, this is why the regulation book is so important to have. Every I was about year. to say, cause and, this is confusing as fuck. Yeah. It, it, it gets really bad. Plus they also have it online, which is really helpful. But, um, you know, you just have to know your species and you have to know what your limits are. Okay. Um, so after those two weeks in November, it goes out for another two weeks, everything waterfowl related. So goose and duck. And then it comes back in just like the, second week of December maybe um, and it's duck is in until the end of January goose is in until the end of February so you can hunt both until the end of January and then you can hunt goose one extra month okay um, with deer it is it, bow season comes in in October again this is for my county uh, and then like I said two weeks muzzleloader the rest rifle and said muzzle now, loader? Yeah, so that black powder muzzle loader, same thing. Ah, gotcha. It, uh, just something you load from the front end. Okay. And um and then like other counties, you have buck and doe days. So like certain days you can shoot a doe, most of the time you can only shoot a buck. And I uh, I'm sure there's reasoning behind it, but for my county, they do not care. They've never cared. It's always shoot buck or doe whichever one you want but if you shoot a buck you have to kill there's a system called a earn a buck system so you have to kill two does in my county before you can shoot your second buck so you get buck two does another buck correct or you can do two does buck buck how you just have to kill two does before you can kill a second buck per day or just in the season okay so you're only yeah, per, you're only allotted one buck a season unless you can get two more does on top of it. Correct. Or if you go to uh, what east of the Blue Ridge Mountains there, or east of ninety five, one of the two. Uh, I think it's east of ninety five. Then you can hunt. Man, I know I've got this wrong. There's a different. So in my area, you can kill two bucks. In an area 
east of us, you can kill three bucks a year. Do you have to? Just, do you have to earn more than one though? Yeah. So each county, if it has an earn a buck system, there's two type of systems that I'm aware of. Uh, one is it has a point regulation, like it has to have a certain amount of points on one side on your second buck. The other one, you have to kill two does in that county. Okay, so, that's both pretty fair then. Yeah, yeah. They're definitely trying to make sure that you're just not out here blasting Lollygagging. every deer. Yeah. Horrifying. And <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Is that what you're going to say this whole fucking time? <laughs> um, so that, that's, that's why it's so important to read the regulations. Because, man, if you're out of the wrong... A game warden is going to jump down your fucking throat and, and it's going to be awful. All right. So we know the seasons. We know species. Uh, I'm confused as fuck on the regulations, even though I've read them. I'm covered in doe urine. Right. I need to know now, like, what I do to get the hunt. Like, what do you, like, when, like, when do you start and, like, what's good? objects to have around you because like you use like blinds and decoys and shit don't you right for waterfowl um so for waterfowl it's scouting it's it's riding around getting permission from people that like ponds cornfields wheat fields rye fields shit like that you're riding around looking for birds what do you do if it's public property uh, so if it's public property, there's regulations to hunt that. And I don't hunt public property, uh, just due to there's Virginia's not known. This side of Virginia is not known to be a waterfowl area because yeah, we have the Shenandoah and that's public and you just have to make sure that you're out of town limits with that. But like you go to places like Kentucky, North Dakota, South Dakota, there's a lot of regulations to allow, and there's tons of public land that you're allowed to hunt. So for me up here, it's mainly an all private land that I hunt. So I have gotten permission from a landowner and either paid them or just got verbal permission and a handshake and so, gotten that permission to hunt their land. So... If it's public property, then your permission technically is the regulations. Correct. So when we hunt the river sometimes, uh, there's a spot we hunt that's on the river that we can't be on the land because the land bordering that river belongs to someone. So it's private property. Okay. So that regulation is I have to be in the water the whole time. Fuck that. So it's not bad. It's cold. I've had some of my best. No, dude. So that that goes into like the gear that you need. I'm not there yet. Right. So when we bring that up, you'll understand what I'm what I'm talking about and why I'm able to be out there when it's so cold. Although I should have because now I'm covered in deer piss and I don't even have my gear on. You're butt naked in a field with deer piss. Horrifying. But you don't have to <laughs> I hate you. You don't have to use deer piss the whole time. Okay. Uh you don't have to use deer piss the waterfowl. <laughs> Okay. Um, so so, so like what's the you most are, you've ever paid somebody for their permission to hunt their property? Uh, we got together. Well, I, I didn't get permission to it, but 
all my buddies, we got together right around $3,000. Holy shit. Yeah, but that dude, that doesn't even touch the scale. The, the boys up in Maryland that we hunt with, the farms that they lease, I mean, you're talking into the tens of thousands of dollars when, and the people like guides out in Oklahoma, Kansas, North Dakota, South Dakota, all those guides play, pay astronomical amounts of money to lease this land so no one else hunts it. Oh my God. So like, yeah, it's, what's the we payback? We offered the dude. I mean, so the land we offered the person 3000 on that we still didn't get, some rich fucking asshole, um, his land, his pond had over a thousand geese on it, which is a big amount for this part of Virginia. So when we, a typical place that I'm going to want to hunt, I'm going to want 50 to 200 birds. Uh, and anywhere past 50, I'm happy with. But usually 50 to 70 is my limit. I won't just go out and hunt 10 birds. There's no point. By the time you bring, because we, we usually hunt with four to six people. Uh, for And this, again, is for waterfowl. But by the time you get those four to six people, uh, you wake up. I've been waking up at 3.30 every morning this week to go hunting. And by the time you get those people to the field, waste your gas, set up anywhere from two to 10 dozen decoys for 10 geese. It's just not worth it. Okay. So, uh, but like, do you make money off of this to where you're like, Oh, $3,000 is nothing because we're going to make X. If you're a guide. Yes. But what's a guide? Nope. Like for a hunting guide, like you, you pay, you pay that person to take you on a hunt. Oh, right. So like what we do in South Dakota, even though they're my grandfather's friends, they so like if I want to go to Africa and kill a rhino, I need a guide Same shit. and deer piss. No, oh, no deer, no piss. deer. All right, yeah, you leave that at home. Okay, um, tiger might eat you or something, but yeah. So we're not gods. Uh, this is just what we do, man. It, so you're paying like, three thousand dollars between the four to six of you to kill some shit and not make any money off of it. Correct. But it was more like 10 to 12 people that we knew that would be willing to chip in because if you have a thousand birds, you're going to want 10 people at least to go hunting with you. Cause that's, I mean, that's going to be a knockout day, man. I mean, the, the well, I mean, split the between experience. 10 people is not astronomic anyway. Exactly. Okay. So, but, um, you know, I've offered, but sometimes, like I said, that guy said no to us. We've had times where, uh, I offered someone to turkey hunt. I asked them to turkey hunt their land. I, I drive by it every day and I finally figured out where the person lived. I said, Hey, I'd like to hunt your property. They said, no. I said, well, um, can I offer you $300 to hunt the weekend? I said, that's a hundred dollars a day. He was like, absolutely not. <laughs> I was like, are you, are you, I didn't say it. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? That's an easy payday. It's $300, but people are so uptight about their land, man. It's just a Virginia thing. Because I hear stories about, you know, people out in Montana, North and South Dakota, places out West. You know, you ask them, hey, I'd like to hunt your property. They're like, yeah, just don't tear anything up. And my buddy, he's got really good relationship with a lot of farmers down his way. And they, you know, we might take them a case of beer, some jerky. Uh, you know, just a common handshake. They've known us all their life. 
it's just, it's, it's getting harder and harder to find private land to be able to hunt. Now you said turkey. So you didn't right. tell me, like, when do they have a season and what can you kill them with? Okay, so that season is even more confusing than the rest of the season. Oh, Jesus. So I won't... I'm I, almost I don't out have of deer piss. Yeah. <laughs> it's shaking <laughs> down your leg. Um, so the dates that you have for turkey, I know there's a fall turkey season and there's a spring. So with fall, uh, it depends on what is... Uh, deer and turkey is the same tag when you get into your license. Um, there's a thing called a tag and a stamp. I do know so what that you, is. Right. So you get your you get your license, you get a deer turkey tag, you get a bear tag, and which I don't hunt bears, so I don't buy one. That would be cool. Do. Fuck that, bro. And I'll get into why here in a little bit. Okay. Um, and then you get waterfowl licenses, which another reason why that rule book's so important because it breaks down what you need to be able to hunt, which is helpful. So um, when you, uh, I'm going to make a bad joke. Do they have okay. a, do they have a earn a cock program? No. Okay. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> what do you mean? By that? Well, it's Horrifying. funny because like, so like, uh, uh, a pheasant out in South Dakota is also referred to as a cock bird or a rooster. Right. And so, so that's why like, anyway, um, so Turkey <laughs> have that fall and it, and it correlates with deer. So you, there's parts where you can take it with archery tackle which is like your crossbow or a regular bow, recurve, whatever. And then there's parts where you can take them with a muzzleloader or a rifle. And then in the springtime, I'm not exactly sure what you can, can and can't. I'm pretty sure you can kill them with rifle, muzzleloader, bow, or shotgun. But in April, which is the springtime, which is the best time to hunt turkeys, uh, I use a shotgun for that. Okay. Is that harder um, to it, clean them out when you do that? What do you mean? Well, what kind of like what kind of shell do you do? You use like a slug or a buckshot? Well, you can't use because I'd imagine that certain... would blow them the fuck up. <laughs> nah, that's why with our shotguns, man. Uh, I've had an old older man teaching me how to turkey hunt for almost three years now. With our shotguns, they uh, were scoped, and we have choke tubes on them. Ah, you put a choke on them, okay. Tight. Yeah, they're very tight patterned. Um, I shoot a three and a half inch number four, uh, what's called a long beard. It's made by the company Winchester. Ah, uh, yes, that would have been my recommendation. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and it's a devastating shell, man. It it really puts a fucking thumping on them. But it's a scoped gun. I'm able to really zoom in on that head and try and make a good headshot. The so, head of the cock. I mean, the head of the turkey. And so it's it's really I mean, you could still make a shit shot and have to pick out shot out of their breast, but it, it's not too too often. So do you try and shoot them in a certain area so that way the meat that you're trying to get to is not like full of shell? Correct. Shoot okay. them in the head. Okay. Right in the fucking noggin. Okay. So uh that's with turkey. But also to touch back on seasons and shit, your county is more flatland. You're closer to the Carolinas than I am. I live up in the mountains. So they do not allow you to hunt with a rifle in certain counties down south. And that's why you see people 
hunting with dogs and shotguns. Right. Because that rifle bullet will stretch out for who fucking knows how There's long. a lot of that here. And I figured right. that's why rules were more restrictive here is because it's more populated. Well, it's, it's, it's not so much the population, it's the landscape. So it's the terrain. Correct. So like a twenty-two rifle that you don't hunt anything but small game with, on the box, it tells you that it can travel a mile. Now, how much it would hurt or the accuracy of it at a mile, doubt it's going to do anything. But, I mean, you, you hear stories of people getting accidentally shot all the time. Oh, I'm sure. And maybe not in this state, but other states that are flat. So that's, that's why it is the way it is. Okay, so different states. Let's say, let's say I want to hunt geese like you do uh, primarily. So what are good objects to want to get? And I keep saying objects because I don't even know like how to word it. Like, like, so you mean like gear, essentially? Gear, there you go. Yeah, so um, obviously you hunt geese with, uh, you hunt, I'll, I'll just blanket it over waterfowl. You want a good shotgun. Okay. Me, I, shoot, I shoot a Benelli 12 gauge. Now, do you use birdshot? Um, so we use, it depends on what you're hunting for geese. Uh, there's, you can really kill geese with just about anything from a four and below a four size shot. But for geese, I use a one or a two shot, which the lower you go, the bigger your pellet's going to be. Okay. But to get in the technical side of it, when you, there's, there's twos, ones, Bs, double BBs and triple BBs which are all sizes, and then it gets into T and, and a bunch of other shit that I don't use. But the bigger the shot, it seems harder to hold a good pattern, which with, with steel, you can't shoot geese and ducks with lead. You have to use steel, tungsten, bismuth, um, and, and things of that nature. Okay. So those metals don't hold a pattern. And you're like saying the does. bigger the shot, or you mean more pellets in the shot is so harder the, to pattern? The bigger the shot, because the, the thing that sucks about bigger shot is once you start getting anything past a one, you get less pellets because you can only put so many in the shell and make it go off. So less of a and chance then, to hit the bird as it's flying correct. through fucking midair. Correct. And then your pattern's just all over the fucking place. Okay. Um, now there's some companies that do a lot better like there's things in shells called flight controls wads so instead of a regular wad that holds your shot the little plastic part inside right they have ones that are called flight control so it's like a tube with wings on it essentially and, and i say wings don't think in the technical sense of wings like more like little tabs on the back end okay um and they're supposed to carry the shot out more accurately because of the way that steel is Okay. So, like you said, you get, a, you get a good shotgun. A lot of people hunt ducks with 20 gauges. Uh, I'm one gun for all of it. I, like I said, I use a Benelli. 12 gauge? And 12 gauge. That's, that's my favorite gun. Um, I, I've also hunted them with Remingtons before. Uh, but that's what I have. And I have, I have a whole collection of Remingtons. That's my favorite shotgun. That, that's the first gun my grandfather uh, Just not your choice ever gave for me. hunting. Well, it's good for it's not good when it comes to water. Okay. 
Uh, and there's a difference between shotguns when you have gas-driven shotguns, which uses the gas from the shell to do your moving parts, feed from the magazine, eject the shell, bring a, a live round into your into your chamber. There, there's also called a niche inertia-driven, which is what Benelli's are, and it's a lot less moving parts. It uses the force from the shell to make your mechanics work. Do you know how fucking smart you sound right now? I'm not. That's that's very common knowledge if you're in the hunting world. No, dude. So you sound you, smart yeah, as yeah. fuck right now. No, no. Very stupid. Wow. Um, it, if, you, if you were you said in inertia. the hunting world, this is, that's, that's what they're called. They're called inertia-driven guns. Yeah, but you said it. That's smart, bro. <laughs> you pronounced it correctly? Um, so for me, the inertia driven guns are less, less to clean and Benelli's come, uh, if you get them, you can get a Cerakoted camo. So, I mean, there's not, there's less rust, there's less wear and tear with, with the Remingtons that I have, they're nice blue barreled wooden stock. They're good for out West field hunting. And, and they just don't take the constant pounding from uh, the high-powered shells we use for waterfowling. Okay. So I have so a Benelli then? I should go with for geese hunting. Yeah, goose. It just You could just blanket it waterfowl. All right, I'm going to go to uh, Bass Pro, and I'm going to say... Green Top. I, I'm going to say... Green Top. Got to go to Green Top. I, uh, I need to refill my deer piss because I've used it all. I haven't even gone hunting. <laughs> and I need a Benelli Inertia. No, you need a Benelli Super Black Eagle 3. With inertia. With inertia. Okay. So, so like so you got that. <laughs> so like what what about the infield gear? So I like you got the gun, but like what do you use so that way you can trick the geese into like coming to you? Or do you even need to do that if that's where they're roosting? Well, so before I get into more gear, you don't hunt the roost. You don't? Especially on my no, especially on migrating birds, because you can fuck up an entire area's pattern with so what's hunting. The, what the would be the difference? Like, how do you know? Well, <laughs> they go there at nighttime. So, like, if I'm hunting a pond, so especially geese have a pattern. You leave the roost. You. Oh, so you're saying feed. the geese that spend the night, you don't fuck with them. Correct. You don't fuck, you fuck with them, but at the spot that they go to either feed or what we call loafing, which is like from roughly 10 to 12, they go to a pond to relax, clean off, things of that nature. Okay, so if they spend the night in that pond, you don't want to go there. You want to go to the pond that they're going to go chill at during the day correct or the field that they're going to because once you go and ruin that spot that they are safe at if that makes sense right they're they're gonna especially migrating geese man they're gonna fuck off and they're gonna fuck off right now okay and so that that's one thing you you don't do there was a story one time of that i read in a hunting magazine of these boys out in I want to say Oklahoma, they had a knockdown spot, but the geese would roost at a pond near where they would go hunt a field. So they never hunted the geese. And this is where 
I have an aggravation with people that I call part-timers. And a part-timer to me is a fucking deer hunter or a squirrel hunter that uh, gets into... You have people like me and my buddies that we fucking live, breathe, and die by waterfowl hunting. So you're saying the people that don't respect it. Correct. And that fucking pisses me off. They just want to go out and shoot geese with a rifle to fucking kill one and and ruin a whole hunt. Like everybody's perspective. Anytime you talk to a landowner, they uh, you're like, hey, can I hunt the geese? And a lot of landowners around here don't like them because they shit everywhere. They're like, well, yeah, can you go shoot them right now? I'm like, you're going to kill one fucking bird when you can, I can bring five of my fucking friends with me and we could kill a limit. Which, you know, five to six people, you're talking 25, 30 birds, instead of me shooting once, killing one bird, and then they they may come back, they may not. Okay. So, and the part-time people. So, back to that story, a bunch of cops ended up getting permission to that property. The landowner didn't allow that person to hunt there anymore because of the cops, because whatever with them, they hunted the roost and just annihilated these geese legally, of course, but it, they just, they went against the rule. They're part-timers. They don't know what they're doing. And they destroyed that area. The, the article went to read on that they didn't get a good hunt the rest of the year. Now, when you say of, the rule, do you mean more like the gentleman's handshake of it? Exactly. Since it's not unwritten. like a written, oh, okay. Like an unwritten rule. Correct. You're, you're allowed to hunt a roost. And, and sometimes on, uh, like, especially into the season, if we know birds are really passing through, um, we, we might hunt a roost. You know, we might hunt a roost with local birds. But when you're in mid-migration, man, that's just not something we do. Okay. So you have potential to really fuck things up. And, and that's also something that my, my buddy that got me into goose hunting, that's... Uh, that's what he told me. He's, I was like, well, these birds are here at night. He's like, we can't hunt those. So we're going to fuck everything. Is that the one in the group chat that says he's taught you everything you, you know about duck hunting? No, I got him <laughs> into fucking duck hunting. That's Zach. He, he used to hunt with these guys. And I was like, yeah, how did you guys do? And he was like, well, we killed uh, a merganser last year, which is a merganser is a type of duck, but we call them river darts because they're just ugly as sin. I'd have a dart. And yeah, pretty much. And they taste like fucking mud and fish they're disgusting and we just we don't shoot them because the lot lizards of duck exactly (laughs) so i got him into hunting and he's been doing good since i taught him a lot of things and um but no my buddy pat that was like yeah i just woke up from a hangover yeah that's 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 my buddy that's taught me everything okay and uh so with with the gear thing whether the birds are there or not you want like like you saying that oh i've seen these birds they want to be here do we even need to you know have gear you you definitely want gear because that's going to bring them close to your blind or where you're camping out essentially so, so the gear is more so for like a more easier calculated shot correct so it's it's bringing the geese to what could be they might land 50 yards to the left and only two people get a shot. Why well, go them. to the goose when you can bring the goose to you? Exactly. Gotcha. So we uh, that comes into good decoys and good calls and learning how to use your calls. That so shit's this, hard. It, it took me 
a year and a half to really learn how to call. And for me, a duck call was always way harder than a goose call. Um, and, and I'm still not as good. I mean, there's people that actually do calling contests. And uh, I've been to them in Maryland, and it is insane what these people do with goose calling. And I follow them on social media and watching their companies, uh, you know, talk on or not talk, but they're goose calling during a hunt. And it is insane what they do to really bring geese in. So uh, as far as calls go for goose calling, there was a man named Tim Grounds. and he is what they call the godfather of goose calling. And they call him the goose man. I mean, he is just, he was outright the nastiest fucking goose hunter on this earth, which I know sounds dumb, but to me, it was like a big deal. Right. And uh, I got his calls and his son is just like him, which Tim Grounds passed away, I think three or four years ago, maybe five, something along there. And uh, his son, Hunter, is just as good as him and still keeps his father's call company going. Oh, that's cool that he named him Hunter. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I actually uh, saw, I got, I got some stickers from them not too long ago. And Tim Ground's wife actually grabbed the receipt, wrote, thank you for your order, Lucas, and signed it, Miss Ground. Hell yeah. So that that was really badass. I have that I, I assume she does that with everything, but I have it framed in my hunting room because like I, I just those calls in that family have are, are like the staple of a hunting family to me. And it's just um so I go with their calls. I, I love them. And for duck calls, you can really use anybody. Um I use a local brand called GP Calls. They're out in uh Locust Grove, Virginia. So right down near uh the Meadows golf course. Okay. And uh, duck calls are run of the mill, man. I mean, you could use anything from them. There's a good company called 737 Calls. and uh, But I use the GP Calls because they're local and I really like them and what they do. But so once you got your calls and what's called a call lanyard, the thing that hangs around your neck, you have decoys. And there is probably fucking 50 different decoy manufacturers. But you can't, this is where waterfowling gets so expensive. It's like fucking golf. You can't spend cheap and expect good results. I'd imagine. Yeah. So um, with decoys, you have what's called flocked and fully flocked and non-flocked. So they have made it to where the heads and the bodies of goose decoys and the heads of duck decoys is what's called flocked. It's like a velvet that they put over it to make it more lifelike. And fully flocked is when the whole body has got that velvet over it. So there's uh, companies like AvianX, uh, Greenhead Gear, and those are, those are my two favorite um, goose decoy companies. And then there's a company called Lifetime Decoys. Now these people engineered uh, decoys off of a croc. Like the shoe, what? Because they were they were uh, they were at some party, and someone's croc got they got they went in the lake and their croc popped up because it was floating. So they three D printed these and engineered these foam type decoys that because you have a problem with your buddies shooting decoys, it happens. Birds get in the decoys, 
you shoot your floating decoys and they fucking sink. They sound like a <laughs> rattler and, and you're out, you're out hundreds of fucking dollars. So these, these decoys, they're, they're, they're hollow. They're like a fucking croc shoe and they are light. I mean, you could carry, most decoys are pretty heavy once they have. Now, will they sink if you them. shoot it? Dude, you could fucking run over these things with a tractor, shoot them as many times as you want. They're not sinking. Wow. And uh, that company is amazing. So they're, they're my number one duck company. What do you think the most money you ever spent on a decoy was? Like mm-hmm. one single decoy. So you don't buy single decoys unless it's turkey decoys. And uh, turkey decoy, I probably spent about $200 on it. Holy shit. By a man named Dave Smith decoys. And uh, with turkey decoys, I mean, those have to be precise. I mean, those have to be the most lifelike decoy that you can buy. You, you, a lot of people go cheap and have results, but I have the theory of why half-ass something and, and possibly have a bad encounter with it when I can put my best foot forward, save my money, spend it on something good, and have, give myself the best opportunity I can when it presents itself. So these decoys really attract, like they really make the animal think that that's another one of them? 100%. Okay. Now, there is situations where um, your decoys spread and the way you put them out is, uh, is not correct. It doesn't look natural to them. So they do a thing called flaring. It's when they're starting to come in and then all of a sudden they turn and fly. They don't come into your, your spread fully, which that could be the way you've set up your blind. Someone could have moved too much. Uh, and, you know, there's multiple things that could ruin a bird coming in. So they but know that's it's, why it's so important. Fun. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's so important to have uh, the decoy spread and the the decoys be of good quality so you can take that out of the equation. So you can narrow it down to, well, is my blind looking okay? Is this what we call brushed in? So you take the brush around you and put it on your blind. Okay. Um, so it looks natural. You, there's, there's multiple factors that you have to look at when you're hunting. And, and it gets even more when you're either hunting a field or you're hunting water. So you keep because, referring to the blind and that was going right. to be my next question is like, like, what do you use? Do you use it sometimes? Do you use it all the time? And like, cause I've seen you buy them and I've also seen you build them. Right. So it just depends on where your property is. So if it's property that my friend's own, uh, or property that a landowner is very comfortable with me, we're going to build a wooden blind and we're going to brush that in with some type of grass or some type of cedar limbs, depending on if it's a cattle farm or not. Now, when you get to uh, places that you can't keep a blind on permanently, and but they allow us to put it there for the season, we use what's called cattle panel. It's 16 foot long. We'll grab two of those and a half of another one to make the doors. 
and you use T-post, you put T-post at an angle. This is called an A-frame blind. And you put those cattle panels over it, and then you put your brush on each side, and that'll suffice for being a blind. Is there ever Which a time where you, where you don't use a blind? No, you always have to use a blind. Um, when we hunt properties that we're only going to hunt once that day, and we don't know if we're going to go back there, we use what's called layout blinds. So like a portable is, is like, one? Exactly. It's kind of like a, a, what you would imagine getting into a sleeping bag, but like bigger to where you, it's taller and everything. And you, we use this for cornfields a lot. You, you brush it in to make it look like it's in the cornfield. And you do, it has two doors and they're on each side. And you close those doors and get down there. And then when the birds come, you pop up out of them. And you're laying on the ground, you pop up and shoot them. Okay, now I've seen videos of you do that where you're laying down and you pop up. Right. So that's that. That, that is, yeah, that's some of the most common hunting you have. Because well, I imagine because it's, it's probably the cheapest. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot cheaper, but it, it's also a lot easier because a lot of places that you hunt, you're so nervous to ask the landowner. You know, we've already bothered them and asked them for permission. We're going to their spot and fucking shooting for like an hour, maybe. And I mean, it's loud and they have neighbors. So you're trying to just do everything you can to not piss the neighbors off not piss the landowner off. So like sometimes we're a little nervous to ask them, hey, is it okay if we build a blind here or put a blind here? Okay. So um, that's what that gets into. So that that covers your blind, your decoys, your calls, and your gun. So that gets into your clothing. And this is just for waterfowl. You cannot cheap yourself on clothing. But I'd imagine you'd want bibs. Uh, bibs are really good for field hunting. Okay. They are amazing. Uh, a company, there's, there's two companies that I deal with heavily. One's called Drake and one called Bandit. Uh, Drake, they, they both make good stuff, but I like a little bit from each company. They both have uh, pros that I like from each side. So I have Drake bibs and they are waterproof waterproof is the most important thing you can do waterproof pants waterproof bibs I'd imagine all that because i mean when you're laying in mud man the last thing you want to do when it's fucking 30 some degrees is be wet so uh bibs are really good for for your field hunting and then you need a good set of waders so uh a lot of people use neoprene waders, which is like the diving suit material. But here within the last five years, a lot of companies have made what's called breathable waders, which are of a different material. Uh, and it's more light and it doesn't stick to you like neoprene will. So that's what I use. Uh, and I get the banded companies waders. But those, uh, those waders themselves are like $600. Holy and shit. Yeah, but dude, I'm telling you, I I hunted this year in six degree weather. And with all the gear that I've spent money on, I was fine. I was warm. And I was able to sit out there and shot a trophy bird that does not come around my area of Virginia at all. Hardly ever. So that uh, is kind of where I want to go next. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I, I want to hear about the bands on the geese 
And then I want to hear about, because now, now that you've given the crash course on regulations, season, types of ammunition, depending on what you're hunting and uh, limitations on how many and the Erna Cock program. And <laughs> uh, so I want to hear about, because the, the, the things that interest me are the bands on the geese. And I, I still am not fully understanding it. So I want to hear it one more time. But, uh, well, because you've told me before this, but I want to hear that because that's pretty fucking interesting. So uh, they do band geese and ducks. And why? And so it is all for migration purposes and science. So they, the different tools they use is the metal bands and they have a program. You band that bird, whoever does the banding, it has a number on it. It gets put in a system. And then you have actual uh, tracking collars that are solar powered that they put around the necks or in the, the wings of certain animals. And it tracks that animal and its flight patterns. And you have what's called neck collars on geese and other birds like sandhill crane and things like that. And it just, it's all for record purposes. So when you kill one of these, it's not so much like you have to put that into like a, a system or something. It's more so like a trophy bird because of how, I'm assuming how rare it is to come across a bird that has a tracker or a band on it that's being tracked for those purposes. So for us, it's, it's, it's really big. Certain parts of the country, especially like North Dakota, Wisconsin, uh, can, and then you have like Kansas, places out in the middle, and Arkansas. I haven't mentioned Arkansas at all. Arkansas is like a haven for ducks. And those places, it's, it's pretty common to shoot one. I've been hunting. So that's, for, where they, that's where they make them and put them on then, I would assume is why it's common. No, that's just where they fly. There's there's flyways in the in the country. Okay. And I think there's four of them. One comes down through the East Coast, so like your shores, Virginia Beach, Eastern Maryland, places like that. And that's why we don't get as much is because technically where I hunt is right outside the flyway. So we get the scraps essentially where I'm at. So where do they where do they put these trackers and bands and shit on? Like where is that most common? A lot of it a lot of it gets done in Canada. So hey. um yeah, eh. <laughs> um but it, it it gets put on anywhere. You can you can get a banding program done anywhere. We've shot birds from Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Kentucky, Texas, uh, South Carolina. We've we've shot bands from all over so, the place. Uh, so, like, how many how many birds have you killed with a band on it? Four. Wow! And how many birds in total you think you've killed? Oh shit! Probably six, seven hundred birds. So that is a pretty. That's got to be an awesome feeling when you shoot that and see the fucking band. It's like it's like shooting a big buck. Or a, or a trophy elk or moose. That is, don't get me wrong. Anytime you go and have a good hunt with your friends is some of the most fucking fun you can have ever. But 
when you throw that band in there, it just takes spirits and shoots them up through the sky, man. <laughs> Your fucking front royal accent cut through all now. <laughs> when you throw that band in the lair. <laughs> Horrifying. Horrifying. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, the band is for scientific purposes, but for us, it's just so cool because we get to see where that band's from. So there, we do take that number. There's a website uh, that you go to and you enter your band number. You enter where you Oh, so you do it, do that. Time. Yeah, and that's the fun part of it because you never fucking know, bro. So you, you never get have to see idea. the flight pattern then? Uh, Not unless it has a tracker on it. Okay. So you can just know where it came from. So I sh- have shot two birds from near Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And uh, I've gotten two birds from Ontario, Canada. Wow. Which all Canadian geese technically come from Canada. Right, it's so, just where I mean, they got tagged. Right, which mine is one of the ones that I shot was from the northernmost part of uh, Ontario. And that's, dude, to come into my little area of Virginia, that's insane to me. And and bands also, which I have a few things I wanted to touch on on bands because we also do a thing called snow goose hunting, but I'll get into that shortly. So bands also have characteristics of them that make them a trophy to you. So a brand new band is shiny metal. Something like you, you know, the rims on a car. Okay. It's just shiny aluminum metal. But, you know, if it's on there for so long, depending on where the bird lives throughout the summer and things like that, your band starts to get rusted. And however long it's been on the bird, it starts to thin out. You can actually see the metal thinning out from where it's been on that bird's leg. And is that from that, like being in the water so much? Being in the water, being on the bird's leg for so long, and it just starts to naturally wear out. Just like when you see like uh, places where a cars drove all for 20 some years. Gotcha. You can see where it wears. Uh, it's the natural wear and tear. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that, having a, a band, like the one I killed from Ontario, um, is very thin on two sides. It's a very thin piece of metal. And you can see on other sides where it's thick, it's natural thickness. And that, to me, is such a huge... It, it's like you get a big deer, but it also has like, like little non-typical kickers everywhere and really cool colors to it and shit like that, if that makes sense. So when you track these bands, does it tell you the date that it was put on? Yes. So it'll say banded in, like we recently shot one last week. It said banded in 2016 or earlier. Holy uh, shit. It, oh, that's nothing, bro. We we killed one. How well, like what? How long were your Ontario ones? Um, I'm not sure. I'll, I'm gonna I'll look them up real quick while I'm uh, talking about them. Okay. But the the one that we shot recently, it t- it'll tell you where it was banded, when it was banded, and how old it was when it was banded. So it'll say like too young to fly and stuff like that. So the the tracker like the well uh, let me get the collar the collar is even more of a prize when you get that it it is uh it's insane to get a collar have you ever killed and one a collar, with a collar i haven't i have buddies that have i have a buddy that's killed one of my friends that's been doing it has been doing it for over 40 years and uh he has 
his his trophy room is is impressive, and uh, the collar is just another tool for tracking and seeing where they're at. And but to me, it's like it's like killing a deer that won't even fit through a door frame. Okay, it's just that big of a prize. But so in in the, forty years of hunting, how many has he got? Probably like thirty. Oh, that's a big like, number. But, it's huge, bro. And I thought you were going to say like three or four. Nah, he, he's been lucky, which stuff just isn't like it used to be, man. Um, it, it's just, you don't see the migration patterns you used to see back then. Like, we, we get to talking when nothing's going on, and they, they're like, man, it just, we used to see crazy stuff, which you also didn't have a lot of people hunting back then. Right. In this area. But, um, so... What was your question about, does it show? So I wanted to see how old your Ontario band was. Okay, so let's see. So the Quebec one I found, one was Quebec, one was Ontario. It was hatched in 2017, says the bird was uh, banded on August 10th, 2018, and it was in Quebec, Canada. And what year did you kill it? Uh, last year. So that would be 2021. Wow. So that bird was running yeah. around with that bitch on it for like four years. Yep. And, and my buddy, he killed one from Manitoba, Minnesota, I think it was. And that one was 15 years old. I think the oldest one right now is 30 some years old. 30 years and seven months. Wow. How, how yeah. fucked up was the band? Like how uh, warm the ones was that it? My, the ones my buddy, the one my buddy killed from 15 years, uh, it, not at all. That's the crazy thing, man. The one I killed from Ontario was very thin and is very good prize to me. But his, I mean, they were they were in really good shape, nice and shiny. It just all depends on where that bird's been. If the bird's not, you know, in really shitty water or like rivers and stuff, and it's in a clean lake all its life. You know, they're gonna have nice bands, but that's the that's cool of how different they can be. It's no to me, it's no different than you killing a buck in your county and then killing in my county. How different they'll be. Gotcha. Okay, makes sense. So my Ontario bird was banded in 2016. It was a female from Nuvon, Ontario, and uh, yeah, yeah, that was that bird. So that was banded for four years before I killed it. That's crazy, man. Dude, and that that's why it's so cool to get those bands, man. And, and it's such a reward. And I just, I can't explain how cool it is, man. And um, there's also a thing called a Jack Minor band, which he is a man named Jack, and he would ban birds in Canada, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Please, people that are hardcore waterfowlers, don't roast me. I, I didn't do my research. Um, but he would put Bible verses on them. And the bands were a little bit taller in size. And getting one of those bands is like the golden grail of bands. And my buddy has two of them. Wow, really? Yeah. And Were you with him when he got any of them? Those. No, I don't even think I was alive when he killed Oh, them. that's the 40-year hunter? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he has them, and 
just to be able to see those bands and know where that man came from is insane because there's not a lot of those bands. And that when that man died, I think they put five bands out for his remembrance. And I don't I don't know if they've been killed yet or not, but that that's like the holy grail to kill one of those to a goose hunter. To to some people it may not make a fuck, but to us it's it's to even fucking see one in my area, the mountains of Virginia, it just blows my mind. Okay, so we go over all that. And now I still gotta talk about the tracking collar though. Oh, okay, okay. I gotta tell you the science behind that. I completely forgot. So the tracking collar is the holy grail of collars. Like I've never seen one, never, never touched one. I, I didn't, I knew it's possible, but I've never seen it. So we go snow goose hunting up in Maryland with a company called Black Duck Outfitters. Awesome dudes really put you on the birds and has made it to where that is some of the most fun hunting for me and something I look forward to the most. They shot uh, a bird with a tracking collar, I think a month or so before we got there. And this bird had made, made the same trip because you, you put in the data, you send it off, and they send you a chart. They, that bird has made the same trip within a week's time for the past like five years. Wow. And within, a, within like 50 to 100 miles of the same fucking spot. And, and I'm talking like one year or two years in a row, it was within 10 miles of where it would stay for the previous years. That's insane. And that's, um, if you get into, um, uh, I'm sure a lot of people know the meat eater uh, shit on Netflix with Steve Grenell. Yeah. He, they have podcasts. They're, they're awesome to listen to. They have a, a side podcast called Bear Grease, which is one of the other uh, side foots, I guess, of the people that hunts with him. They talk about, you know, a bunch of random stuff. They get a lot deeper into hunting and the science behind it. There's actual like waves that come off like a, a duck and, and a goose that has like... They, the way they they put it was almost like magnets that attract them to certain places. But they are just, they are known from the day they're born. They follow their fucking flock to and from those areas of migration. It is consistent as fuck. That's, that's and insane. And those are, those are snow geese or that just happened with those guys that he got it? Th that was a snow goose that they killed. Okay that ended up having that collar, but they put tracking devices on ducks, regular Canadian geese and all other sorts. Gotcha. But one more thing about migration and why it's so insane and why it's so important to have those tracking tools on them is because me and my buddy were hunting and or we were getting ready to hunt. It was the last day of the year. I was around scouting my, my places to hunt. And I pull up on one of them and I call him. I'm like, bro, there is a goose in this field that looks like a fucking chicken. I mean, this thing, you know how big geese are. I assume everybody else does. Right. This motherfucker looked like the size of a small hen chicken. And I am like, man, we have got to get that thing. So we go hunting and uh, we only need a couple birds. It was just me and him. 
And wouldn't you know it, a flock comes in and that small chicken goose was with him. And I'm like, hey, I smacked the fuck out of him. I'm excited as shit. I'm getting ready to shake out of the blind. And I'm like, hey, there's that fucking chicken, man. There's that fucking chicken. I'm hollering. And he's like, calm down. So this bird gets up. Only bird out of the whole flock that gets up. They're all on the water to our left. And he's like, man, you get ready. It's shooting. My gun got stuck in the fucking blind. Ooh. I was trying to pull it up. And he's like, you better get up. You better get up. I'm like, hey, shoot the motherfucker. I want it. I want to see it. So my buddy pulls up. Boom. Drops it. And this bird, I'm telling you, it's the size. It's a little bit bigger than a normal mallard duck. Come to find out, it is a cackling goose. It's a subspecies off of Canadian. It, it looks like it, and, and I can send you a picture. You can look it up. But these geese breed in Alaska, bro. Wow. And we're shooting it in the mountains of fucking Virginia. And he got it when you told him to shoot it? Yeah, he, he one-shotted it, clean kill, and he, he went and got it mounted. And, and that, to me, is why the information that has come from all these years of studies and Ducks Unlimited and, and Delta Waterfowl and all these companies have shown that you know these migrations are possible. And that's the cool thing about waterfowl is you have no fucking, whether they have bands or not, 90% of the time, you have no fucking idea where that bird's from. Right. It could be, we shot birds uh, last year that were from fucking Tennessee in, in the middle of January. We have birds that are from Tennessee coming into the, our mountains. So that, that's why it's so cool to me to hunt waterfowl. That's fucking insane. It, it's crazy when you get into it, man. So, okay. So if, if I'm cool to move on, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I want to hear, and I, and I saved my most interested for last. I want to hear about your fucking trophy kills, like top three all-time favorite kills. It doesn't so matter what animal, but okay. I want to I I have... hear the story on these. Okay, can we make it like five? Because I have trophies. But I have trophies in the sense of importance. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm going to give you five. Is that okay? I'll, I'll keep them short so we don't bore people. Yeah, that's fine. So um, I told this story last week. Uh, but pretty much anything that I've ever killed with my grandpa is burned into my brain. Um, I told the story. I, I'm pretty sure I told that story of when we were in North Carolina and I shot my first deer. Yes. So that was huge to me. I will never forget that as long as I'd I, imagine I that the first kill would make the list. Yeah, absolutely. And it, in my first turkey I shot with grandpa, and I'll never forget we were, we were in a blind in a farm we used to hunt, and a flock of, we hadn't seen a fucking deer all day. I'm freezing my ass off, bro. It's, it's uh, Thanksgiving day, which the season goes in and out for turkeys, but it always comes on Thanksgiving day. You can kill a turkey. So I'd never shot one before. And this flock comes out about 80 yards and I got my grandfather's 22 Magnum and he's telling me to pick a good one and shoot. And I'm fucking dumping this gun and missing every fucking shot, bro. <laughs> I'm so goddamn excited. I don't know what to do. And I'll never forget. My grandpa put his hand on my back. He said, hey, 
stop shooting and calm down. You got one coming. And these turkeys, they just didn't, they didn't know what was going on, didn't know where it was coming from. And this hen turkey came in with like 30 yards right to where we were at. And I smoked her. And my grandfather's just fucking jumped out of that blind and started hollering and yelling and was just so excited, man. My first turkey ever. That's and awesome. I've, I've got that turkey beside me. Uh, he mounted the tail feathers for me. And then probably three years later, he took me up a mountain. I'd never been turkey hunting before and called me in my first mature long beard gobbler. And I have both those birds mounted uh, tail feather wise in the, in the beard right beside me uh, where I'm sitting. And they're right next to my first deer. All my first deer in Turkey have been with my grandfather. So those are prizes to me that I'll never, they will always be the highest on the wall. Absolutely. So um, without grandpa, as I've gotten older, um, there is species, we'll go with ducks first. There are species of ducks that I think are the, like the most beautiful birds. They're the coolest. The things about the birds are the coolest. And to me, uh, and, and also birds that we don't kill in our area. So, you know, in California, there's a bird called a pintail. That's the one I have tattooed on my hand. Okay. And it is a bird that I don't, you don't see around here. We maybe might kill one a year. And it's something that's common out in California to kill and out in Kansas and places out to the left of where I'm at. And it's just, we don't kill it here. And I finally shot one. And to me, I took it straight to the taxidermist. That to me is one of the most important birds ever. So you did get that one mounted? I did. And another duck I got mounted was uh, what's called a canvas back. Very common in, it's what's called a diving duck, which it's, uh, or a diver. They dive underwater and stuff. They're very common out in like Maryland and on the shores and rivers. Very common near Fredericksburg, stuff like that. They do not make their way up to where we're at ever. My buddy that's been hunting in 40 years has seen two killed, mine being the third. Wow. So it, it was that day. It was six degrees. It was the last day of duck season. Oh, shit. Oh, dude, it's freezing. And we had, you know, heaters in the blind. We, we were managing. And we had shot some ducks, shot some geese. And it was like 8.30. And my buddies were like, hey, fuck this. We're going up to our other blind where we have our kitchen and we're going to make breakfast. And me and my buddy, Dustin, we, uh, we were, were like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to sit in this blind. We're just going to, we're going to relax. And so we're sitting there. We hadn't seen a fucking burden an hour and a half. He's like, buddy, I don't think I can take it much more. And I was like, all right, well, you know, let's get this heater turned off and let's start packing up a little bit. And about that time I look over and I see a duck coming into our decoy spread. And I was like, duck, duck. He's like, and we both pulled up on it. I missed my first two shots because I realized what it was. And on my third shot, I got it. And I mean, we tore through the water and grabbed it. And it was a, it was a male canvas back, which like I said, it's just, that was the third one. My buddy hunting 40 years had seen in that area. Oh, wow. And uh, Yeah. So I took that right to the taxidermist as well. 
Okay. Um, I, I've never been a good turkey hunter. I just got into it, a, like I said, three years ago. My buddy's been really teaching me. No one in my family really cares about turkey hunting. They just, we shoot turkeys when we see them and they're in season because they're the best eating uh, of all, to me, of most any game. Fried wild turkey, especially when my grandma's cooking it, is some of the best food you can eat. I like deer. Oh, dude. I'll have to bring you some wild turkey because it's amazing. Never it, had it, it. It's better than it's better than fried chicken. I mean, it's just an amazing dish. Okay. And you'll love it. So uh my buddy took me to kill a nice mature gobbler and it was really fun, but I never got to really do anything on my own. So this year he was like, Hey, he was like, you call me if you need anything, but you're on your own this year. And I was like, fuck. So I ended up killing one bird by myself and I was really excited about it. And uh, I went to my buddy, Nate, that I've talked about before. Uh, I went to his property because his family has a farm and they let me hunt. And I tried for almost a month to get on these birds and I just couldn't, I did, couldn't figure out how to hunt them. Well, finally, one day it clicked to me that they were in this field. So I set up my blind and everything in that field and went to hunt them one morning, set my decoys out and made a call and off at about 150, 200 yards, there was a giant gobbler off on the distance. And it took him an hour and a half to get over to where I was. And he came up to my decoys and just started like doing this thing that they call drumming where he kind of shakes his feathers and stuff and his tail feathers are spread out. He's all puffed out and he just starts beating the shit out of my decoy <laughs> He's to assert his dominance because I use a Jake decoy, which is a immature bird. And you do a thing with them called a quarter strut, which their fans is spread a certain way to where it shows a lack of confidence. And it pisses a mature bird off. So I have the Jake and I have a female decoy. Well, that fucking bird, dude, I mean, he's spurring the shit out of this decoy. I'm smacking it with its wings. Here I am about to piss myself shaking because I've never seen anything like this in person. Well, he finally turns around. I shoot him. And this bird is huge. It has. Uh, Did it go a, down in one inch. shot? Yeah. I smoked his fucking ass. It was only like 20 yards. This bird. And it was the first huge bird that I ever. I mean, I spent a month chasing this bird and I had to learn how to hunt it. And he had 11 inch beard and its spurs were inch and five eighths, which shooting a bird, especially around here because we have mountains and their spurs will break off and rub into like a, like a round instead of a point. Well, this was a farm turkey or, you know, I shot it on a cattle farm and Anytime you shoot a bird with an inch spurs, you're, you know, that's a big trophy. And this bird ended up being an inch and five eighths. Jesus. And I took that right to the taxidermist. And that was my first huge mature bird that I called in by myself. And it was just so fucking rewarding to me that I got that bird. I mean, I went to my grandpa's. I went to my uncle's. I went to my buddy's house who's teaching me how to turkey hunt. And I just showed everybody I fucking knew. And how bird. much did that thing weigh? Uh, it weighed 19 and a half pounds, which uh, in the later part of the spring turkey season, 
the the mature toms will start losing weight because they have been chasing bur- they've been chasing the females for a month and a half chasing that ass <laughs> pretty much <laughs> um so like when you shoot a mature bird early in the season you're looking anywhere from 20 to upwards of like 23 pounds or something like that so i mean anytime you shoot a bird 19 to 20 pounds is is a is a good bird in that a time of season bird. correct okay uh, and, and anytime, man, um, any, when you see the birds you get for Thanksgiving and stuff, they're all been grown on a farm. They're not running around for their food. So, you know, that, that's a good pound for Turkey anytime of season, really. Okay. Um, and the, and the last trophy I have is my first buck that I got mounted. Um, I have buddies that have hardcore deer hunted for a long time that have, uh, one guy in North Carolina, his name is Creech. He is very good friends with my grandfather, very good man. And if I could convince him to do this podcast, it would be awesome because the stories, the hunting stories he has, I mean, we, I bet you we could do a 10-hour podcast. Hit him stories. up. I, I think I will. And he, when, I, when he first took me into his trophy room, he has, so imagine like, um, a regular spare bedroom someone would have in their house. Right. He has mounted deer double lined across all four walls. Holy shit. And then he has a garage just full of mounted or not mounted, but horns. This man goes into the swamps of North Carolina an hour before sunlight and leaves when it's dark, when the legal shooting light's gone. Wow. He is he is a hardcore hunter and and so there's people like that I know that have really big deer. Me, I like eating deer meat. Uh I you know, I don't go out and shoot babies and shit like that, but a big mature doe comes by me, I'm gonna put it down and I'm gonna eat it. Right. And, and you know, as I've gotten older and gotten to the point where I'm a little more selective because I don't like dragging six, seven deer out a season out of the woods. Um I've been holding off for bigger bucks because I was in a stand that my uncle gave me on a farm that I hunt in a uh, apple. It's one part apple orchard. And then you have this thick part of woods where that stand was. And on both sides of this, of this thicket was uh, soybeans. And I was in that stand and I had taken off work. It was Halloween. It was uh, 2020, so right in the height of um, COVID and all that good stuff. And I'm sitting there. It's starting to get dark, and I start hearing, like, big limbs break. And my heart just started like someone had a fucking hammer on that thing pounding. So I look over to my right, and I'm, and I'm still hearing it. I haven't seen anything. And I position myself to see anything that's coming by. So this little seven-pointer comes out, not very wide, maybe like 10 inches wide, not very tall. And I am like, okay, I'm, I'm going to shoot this deer. It's a nice deer. And it's going through the thick parts, and I can still see it. I have to wait for it to come out about 10 yards into this opening. So I got my scope on it, and I keep hearing what is called a buck grunt. And it's like a... It's like a dominance thing. It, it tells females he's around. 
And you don't really hear it unless you're in the woods 24-7. So I look over behind this deer and there's this fucking giant eight-pointer, bro. And I am fucking in full-blown panic. Full-blown. And I'm shaking, trying to calm myself down. And the seven-pointer looks up at me. And I think I'm busted at this point. So I turn over to the eight-pointer and I shoot. And I was using a muzzleloader. So I'm looking and I instantly start reloading. And I'm looking around, looking around. That eight-pointer, I missed. I missed my first shot. It's at like 10 yards. And this eight-pointer gets over 10 yards back into the woods, but more open spot. I had hit a limb is what happened. And it gets back over and it's just staring at me. Had no idea what was going on. So it didn't run? It ran 10 yards back, but then was confused and stopped. And I, I shot him a second time and dropped him. And that was the first big buck that I had ever shot. And, and it was, it was, I don't know, like an hour after sunset that I finally went down because I wanted to make sure the deer was dead. I went down and looked at, got it. And the first person I called was grandpa. I called him. I was like, I need your help. I've never, because I had never taken a deer to the taxidermist. It's a certain way that you have to skin it so that they're able to get it. And I told grandpa, I said, I just shot a, a huge buck and I'm going to need your help because I want to take it to taxidermist. He said, are you sure? That's pretty expensive. I said, yeah, I'm sure. I'll come bring it. So I called about five more people and just told them. And Gabby was one, a buddy, Drew, who's, who does whitetail management for a living. And, uh, I told him the story. So it took me an hour and a half to drag this deer out of the woods. It was just unreal heavy. One of the biggest deer I've ever seen in my life. And I got it over to grandpa's and I have a cover over the bed of my truck. And so my grandpa's backing me into his area and he's, he said, let me see this little old thing. And so I opened the cover and Grandpa's, he's got a beer in his hand and he drops it. He says, God damn, <laughs> I ain't never seen a deer this big over here. And, and uh, I mean, Grandpa was just stunned. He could not believe that I had shot that deer. And that was probably it, a better feeling than shooting the deer. I have never gotten the opportunity to kill a prize and a deer because because my family is mainly deer hunters now uh they were bird hunters a long time ago but now grandpa's gotten a lot to deer and i've never gotten the opportunity to kill something on my own and proudly take it to grandpa because i mean killing a turkey's cool birds all that but when you kill a big buck it's just a little different right and to get his reaction and my grandma i mean it's like 9 30 at night grandma's out there in her robe, she's like, let me see. And she's like, my goodness. And it just, <laughs> it was the greatest feeling, man. I was sore from dragging that deer out uh, of the woods. I'm sure. The next day. It was, it's something I'll never forget my whole life. And it's, it's right in the middle of a wall in my house. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah. Th- those are, those are some of my trophies, man. And I could go on. I have tons of trophies and, Stuff I have mounted and, you know, my first bow kill, stuff like that. But those are always the ones that stands out. I'm glad you saved the one 
uh, that you showed your grandpa last. Yeah, that was definitely one of the coolest experiences. Grandpa was half fucked up <laughs> drinking, and 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 he had shot a deer that evening too, and and it was just. It felt like old times, like when we we had our farm and we would all kill deer and skin them and grandma would cook us dinner and uh, it just felt good to go back there and do that, have that experience with grandpa. Nice, man. Well, you covered everything I want to cover. So I don't know if there's anything you want to throw in there before you get into your trips. Um, no, not really. Um... Obviously, with deer hunting, when you go back to the gear, you, you need a rifle, a good, strong rifle that uh, is the correct caliber to, to really knock down deer, a muzzleloader, a bow, if that's the thing you're into, or a crossbow, because they're legal in Virginia now. And um, it, it's if one thing I could say to anybody that's ever getting into hunting is do not cheap yourself on shitty gear. Um, people... you. And it's true. You can go to Walmart and buy camo. I have tons of stuff that I've bought from Walmart that, you know, I use in the early season when it's not too cold. But the difference maker of you being out there and being able to enjoy your hunt and not be fucking miserable is spending good money on good gear for the weather. And you need a lot of deer piss. Tons. uh, Gallons, if you will. (laughs) But for Virginia, make sure it's synthetic. (laughs) Um, but no, so yeah, we can start getting into the trips. Okay. So I obviously want to hear about the Carolinas first and why you go there, what you're going for, how long you're out there, time of year, things like that. Um, but then I want to hear about the South Dakota trips. All right. So, uh, as I stated in a previous episode, North Carolina is a trip of commemoration for my grandfather's buddy that passed away that they were in the military with together. And his buddy's best friend was named Rook. His name is, he's still alive, is Rookie Long. He is a farmer down in Northampton County of North Carolina. And we have been hunting their property since way, since the eighties, maybe. And like I said, it's called Jack Smash Hunt Club, which uh, is also my license plate, if you've ever noticed, is a man named Jack that made corn liquor, which uh, mash is also another term for it. And, you know, that was always... So their seasons are different than ours. So our bow season doesn't start till October. Theirs starts in September. So right before our bow season comes in, their gun muzzleloader season starts. So that is uh, roughly like a week or two before October, roughly. And my, I was thinking about this yesterday. Some of the best times as I remember, uh, this was when I was a little kid. So my dad was still around. He, him and my mom would write a note for school saying, Hey, Lucas is going to be out for the rest of the week. So we would leave on like a Wednesday or Thursday and go down all weekend. And that was always, I mean, I was fucking big dick in the locker room then. Like, see you motherfuckers. I'm out. <laughs> and we would go down, grandma and grandpa. It, it, grandma went some years because Rookie's wife, Chrissy, and their other friend, the, my grandpa's friend that passed away, his, wife name, his wife's name is Joyce. And my grandma is good friends with both of them. So sometimes she would go, sometimes she wouldn't. 
but she would always pack us plenty of food and she would make us some like soup to take down. My grandma makes vegetable soup every year we go down there. And grandpa would make sure that we get apples from Virginia and uh, me and my dad would make jerky. So we would always bring them and natural natty lights. Those boys in North Carolina love natty light for some reason. So we would make sure that our truck was always full of things to give them because they would never accept money from my grandfather because they actually have people that, that book hunts with them to come down, especially people from North Carolina or uh, New York would come down to hunt with them. So grandpa always made sure that we had stuff to give them and we would, we would come down and Mr. Long would always have a 50 pound bag of corn there waiting for me to pick up. And he says, you go put this wherever you want it, which is legal down there. I don't know if it is anymore, but again, this is back in like the the late nineties, early two thousands. And I would go out and the one stand that me and grandpa would always go to before I started hunting on my own is the Texas stand. It's uh, where my sister shot her first deer, where my grandfather shot his biggest buck ever. It was a 18 point non-typical, very big deer. Um, and you I said 18 point? Yeah, 18. It was, it was a uh, 18 point with, it was a mainframe eight. And then it had like kickers coming off the beams. Holy shit. Stud of a fucking deer, man. And I have a good story about that too. But uh, me and Grandpa, whenever it was me and him, we always hunted that stand. It was one of the bigger stands. Um, so me and him could both get up in it. But, you know, so our, our, we were going after deer. Mr. Long told me to shoot whatever I wanted because I was a young kid and they, uh, they wanted to make sure they kept their population in check. But obviously everybody else was after big bucks because the, um, the state deer, uh, state buck was killed there for a uh, record wise was killed there for a long time in like the seventies. And it, and I mean, his, they have a trailer that you sleep in and they have a cabin where you watch TV cook your meals and everything and inside that cabin is all the deer they've killed that they got mounted and I mean you just talk about unreal fucking stud bucks and I've only seen like two of them one of them was dead that grandpa shot and the other one I uh with that story I'll tell here in a minute but it was always it was always a good time for family it was it was, it was like some years it was the boys. My uncle and my cousins would go and it was just what you would consider deer camp. Everybody going hunting and at the end of the evening, everybody would come out to the cabin and have dinner. And I mean, the stories, the, the fucking alcohol that got drank and the stories that got told uh, or just any your typical cliche deer hunting. That's what that was. And uh, we don't do it that much anymore, but we try to. And, and but back in the day, man, it was just it was. So amazing. that's more of just like a trip for family, correct? Okay, but it, it's still you know we're still hunting. I mean, we we hunted right. our fucking asses off. And uh, so that, again, that's where I shot my first deer. It's where I shot my first deer by myself, and um, I've seen my grandpa make shots that you wouldn't fucking believe. 
Uh, I've seen him shoot deer on the run there. But the story with his deer is we were hunting and I had been going to the Texas stand. It was me, him, and my dad. My grandma was there. I had been going to the Texas stand all week. And I, I was at the age, I was by myself and I wanted to shoot a big buck. I was going to hold off and until the last day and shoot a doe if I didn't see anything. So grandpa had shot and missed. And I told him it was the last day. I told him, I said, Hey, go to the Texas stand. I've been seeing a lot of deer there. I told him like tons of does. So go there and bust you a nice one. I'll go to this other stand. So I go to this stand and and I'm sitting there and muzzleloaders are very finicky. They're better than what the old flintlocks were and the side locks or whatever they're called. Okay. Um, but, you know, any type of moisture in the air will mess with the powder and the primer and all that. So I'm sitting there and it's starting to get like an hour before dark. And this big six pointer steps out. I mean, a stud. And I'm, you know, I, up until that point, I ain't never shot a buck more than like a spike or a little, little four pointer or something. So I'm, I'm excited. And I pull the hammer back on my gun and I shoot. And at that point, it's like 80 yards away. And I hear the primer go off, but the deer's standing there looking at me. And it sounded really weird. So I put another primer in there. Shoot, just hear the primer go off. Put a third one in there. By this time, the deer's like 120 yards away. And the primer goes off. The powder doesn't ignite. And that deer runs away. And I'm like fucking 13 years old. I am in fucking shambles, bro. Biggest deer of my life. And it's gone. My gun wouldn't go off. <laughs> so I'm ready to fucking wrap Shooting this blanks. piece of shit. <laughs> oh my, pretty much, dude. I'm ready to wrap this motherfucker around a tree. I got fucking, uh, and, and maybe like 30 minutes after that, I hear my grandfather shoot. So I, you know, wait till dark, put another primer in, don't see anything else. Walk down from the stand and walk all the way back to camp, which it was like a good six, 700 yards from camp. And I'm just tears in my eyes and fucking, I'm devastated. And grandpa meets me at the bottom of the hill. He's like, Hey, he was like, what happened? He's like, where's the deer? And I said, my fucking gun wouldn't go off. And that, you know, I'm 13 years old. I'm not supposed to say anything. So my grandpa gives me one hell of a fucking look. <laughs> He's like, what do you mean? I said, look, put the primer in it. Boom. Motherfucker went right off. Oh, man. I am. I throw that motherfucker on the ground and I am just, I mean, in full blown fucking tears. And then I go up and when grandpa, and this, this will never fucking happen again as long as I'm living. When my grandpa wants me to go fucking deer hunting with him, I'm going to go. Because he, he was like, why don't you come with me? Why don't you come with me? I was like, no, you go to that stand and you get a deer. I don't want to slight you. Well, he, he shot that fucking deer out of that stand I'd been in all week. And uh, I <laughs> now I'm happy that it happened. But boy, 13-year-old Lucas was hot. <laughs> I mean, I was like, yeah, fucking great. Glad your goddamn gun went off. Here I am going home with nothing. And you got the biggest fucking deer I've ever seen. That is now, wild. I was, I, oh boy, it was it was insane. <laughs> but um, boy, we have had some good fucking times there, as far as hunting, and uh, we've killed a lot of good deer and and had a good time fishing out there. And 
And that family uh, still talks to me to this year. Get Christmas cards from them. And uh, we were supposed to go see him in August, but I fucked my foot up, so I didn't go. Right. But uh, so that that is, uh, it's like a family vacation wrapped around a deer hunt, if that makes sense. Right. So now to, to, to hear about the thing that I care about more than anything in this conversation is your South Dakota trips. Right. I want to hear about these. So, so Grandpa's been going to South Dakota since the late 60s, I think. And he still goes every year. He went the year of COVID. Grandpa's 82 now, and he's still going. And um, this is... My grandfather grew up quail and grouse hunting. And those birds aren't around our neck of the woods anymore. Um, and that is really... <clears throat> put a damper on my grandfather because he loves bird hunting, which is where I get it from. So he goes out to South Dakota to get to bird hunt. And aside from that, a pheasant's a beautiful bird, fun to hunt, and they are delicious. Oh my God, they're delicious. And so he's been going out there and he used to hunt on the south part of South Dakota. And used to take my dad and my uncle with him. He told me he would save money in a change jar and get with people from work and his buddies, and they would save every dime they could just to go out there once a year. And they would drive out there. And they had shit luck the first couple times they went out there. <laughs> and, you know, just... Because there's a certain way you hunt it, and when you get it to a lot of public land, it, it can be really difficult to hunt these birds. Um, because a pheasant would rather run away into coverage than it would fly. So he got hooked up with the guy from Front Royal, ended up going to this place called Buckshot Pheasant Hunts. And um, it's through a family called the Brodericks. And my grandfather started going out there in the, I want to say in the late eighties, early nineties with them. And he's been going ever since. And they, they have a lot of land. They are all good, good hearted people. And they, they, you know, they're farmers by trade, but they also farm in order to have good crops and coverage for pheasants. So they can take people out to hunt. That they are a guide service, like okay. we were talking about earlier. Gotcha. So my grandpa wanted to take me to South Dakota for my senior present, and um, I I was like, seriously, like uh, this is something that I've always heard of my grandfather and my uncle, especially talking about. And there's pictures of them out in the fucking prairies of South Dakota and. They they each have tons of like pheasant mounted and like the the pelt I guess it would be of a pheasant's tail because a pheasant's tail is really okay. long, uh is like all over their walls, man. So South Dakota has been their thing for so long. I'm like, bro, I'm in the motherfucking big leagues now. I'm like allowed to go to fucking South Dakota. So at the time, uh. My parents are split. I've only ever really deer hunted. I'm in Fredericksburg. I hunt with grandpa every other weekend. And so uh, I only had a a 410 caliber shotgun. He got 
uh, my grandfather got me and my cousin matching shotguns for Christmas uh, when I was, fuck, maybe 10. And so grandpa was like, you're not taking that out. We need to get you a 12 gauge. So at this point, I'm fucking into music and my hair's long and I'm into chasing fucking girls at school and, and I didn't know shit. I had no interest in hunting. I Goth really girls and good Charlotte albums. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, now uh, there is a man named Greg Hickerson. He was a good friend of my family and my grandfather ended up getting my first 12 gauge from him, which had shot deer, bear, turkey, squirrels, rabbits. I mean, it had been run through the mill. Now I appreciate it more because Remington makes a model 1100 and 1187. And my grandfather and my uncle have been using those guns since they came out. So, and they're beautiful guns to me. Some of uh, they're the ones with the blued barrel, the nice wooden hit stocks. And to me, it is such a valued gun. And I'll be damned if that's what my grandpa got me for my first 12 gauge. Wow. I still have it sitting right beside me. I, I hardly ever use it anymore. I hardly use any of those guns because I don't want anything happening to them. Right. But so that's what grandpa got me. And we started going shooting uh, skeet and trap every weekend that we could and getting me prepared and, and starting to focus because I had never really bird hunted up into that time. Right. And my cousin, uh, Scotty, that is going to be in the wedding, he, his father had been taking him for a while. So my cousin's like giving me pointers and he's like, yeah, man, you need to do this. And, and it was weird because he was always the younger cousin and, and I was the oldest. Um, but, you know, the fact that, because he, he's been my best friend since I was a little kid, you know, your, your closest cousin. Right. And the fact that I was going with him, I'm going with my uncle, my grandpa's going. I mean, I'm fucking like psyched out of my goddamn mind. And he's like, oh, you need to save up money. I'm like, fuck that. I'm <laughs> trying to you know, take these girls out to eat. And, um, <laughs> but so, they're goth, grandpa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're wearing leather boots. Grandpa's um, like, God damn it, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to try and record him saying that one day, but it's yes, so please. quick. It's it's so quick when it happens now because he just doesn't care about too much anymore. Um, but I'll try and record it. But anyway, so we're getting ready. Like I talked to my cousin about it, and you know he's telling me, helping me learn how to wing shoot, which is what it's called. And and uh, my grandpa wrote me, like I told you in the last grandparents episode. Grandpa has a list of everything, right? And grandpa wrote me a list of what I needed for my South Dakota trip money wise, which he paid for my trip, but he, um, he wanted me to like pay for my food and my license and my shotgun shells. Right. Because grandpa, you know, needed to instill in me, Hey, you know, I'm not always going to be here. You need to learn to save some money for hunting trips. Okay. So grandpa wrote me a list of down to fucking how many boxers I needed socks, what kind of socks, pants, so on and so forth. I still have this list in my gun safe. That's awesome. And that was in 2009. And uh, so I had flown before, but this it's always been with mom. 
So it is, I found out with the Nicholson men and my cousin, when you meet him, he'll attest to this. It is a goddamn nightmare <laughs> to go to a fucking airport <laughs> with the older men in our family. We're walking, dude. I, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm 17 years old. I, I'm, you know, I'm pretty normal in the world, but I haven't done too, too much at this point. We're going into a fucking airport with goddamn guns. So I am on full, like, I just can't wait to get fucking tackled by someone. And yeah, it's actually an easy process. Uh, you know, people go through it all the time and you wouldn't believe how many people leave around the same time to go out hunting. I mean, every time we go, there's a line of people to go either pheasant, elk or whatever out to South Dakota and Montana, North Dakota. Okay. So that, that was, it's, it's always good when you go to an airport and you, and you see people of your kind, you know, they're hunters because you always can say, I love nothing more than hearing hunting stories. Right. Oh my God, man. It's my favorite thing to do. And, um, so we get out there and I've been at this point in my life, I've been to California, Florida, New York, but I had never experienced out West. And that was the first time where I got my love for out West. And I mean, it's flat. You could see for fucking miles, bro. And, uh, everybody, I'm, I'm the only one there with long hair and, and all the, the, family of the farmers or, you know, giving my grandpa a big hug and everybody stands up to shake his hand. And I mean, these are just some of the most respectful human beings ever. And, you know, they're giving me a little bit of shit because they've already seen my cousin Scotty a couple times and like, who the fuck is this? The fucking hippie looking boy. <laughs> and, um, you know, I introduced him to him and I'm different. I got the fucking emo haircut and, you know, kind of baggier clothes and shit. And, but, you know, they were so warm and fucking welcoming to me, bro. That's awesome. And we get to the house and, and, I've, and I've never met anybody with a Midwestern accent. So I just, hey, how are you? And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with this dude? <laughs> and, <laughs> but uh, we, get to the, we get to the hotel and my cousins, uh, my grandpa and my uncle stayed downstairs. And my cousin usually stayed downstairs with my uncle. But he was like, hey, I'm going to stay upstairs with Lucas. And, um, my grandfather's best friend met us out there, but the one that lived in Alaska that just recently passed away. So, you know, it is everything I've ever heard of, of the first day, uh, is happening. Like we're getting ready for my cousins. Like, Hey, put this out and make sure you have this in your hunting pack and make sure you got this together so that, you know, you bring it with you and, and we're getting groceries together and shit. Me and my cousin, he's like, Hey, as the kids, like it's our job to make sure the cooler's packed every day, that everybody's got snacks and drinks. And so I'm getting in the groove, man. And, and but like I said, I'm so excited because like I I'm finally around to fucking do something that I've only ever heard of. And so we we go, which out in South Dakota, some awesome restaurants. We go and eat like a really good steak dinner. And it's just, I'm fucking cloud nine. I didn't sleep a fucking wink. Not at all, bro. And I, I fucking finally started to doze off. My alarm went off. Grandpa, I go downstairs to brush my teeth. Grandpa's already ready drinking coffee. Oh my God. And oh yeah, boy. I mean, he is in his fucking groove when he gets out there. So I'm, you know, getting ready and stuff. And um, we meet the guides and the dogs and everything. And I'm nervous as fuck. 
because I've never done this. I don't want to look like an idiot. My main objective is to, you know, you got your blaze orange on, you know where everybody's going to be and just don't fucking point the gun at someone. Right. I am so fucking nervous because when you are bird hunting, sometimes you get so locked into where this bird is that you, you, you know, not so much anymore, but when I was younger, I would forget everything around me. So the way you, the way you pheasant hunt, the way we've done it is you have a strip. It's about 30 to 40 yards long of Milo corn or stuff called King cane that is pheasant food. And you have the guide in the middle, one to two hunters on each side of him, about five to 10 yards off the dog. And then you have what you call uh, the wingmen 30 yards up. And then you take the rest of your group and they go down to the end of the field and call it blocking. So what you're doing is driving these birds. So some will fly up while you're walking, but when you get to where those blockers are, you're at the end of the field and all those hunters are coming. It's they fucking flush out of the field and start just flying everywhere. And it's just a big shoot. So that's fun. And and you also jump out other deer, deer or other game, deer, rabbits, all this other stuff. I saw the biggest deer of my life at that point uh, jump out of the field. And I was really into deer hunting at that point. So I just fucking stared at the deer. Everybody's shooting all these fucking birds and I'm just staring at the deer with the gun pointed at the <laughs> ground. <laughs> and um, it, it's just, it was such a fun fucking experience. And, you know, we ended up getting our limit and we had a good time. No one got pissy with each other. And it was just such a good experience and, and to have, it was good with my grandpa and my uncle, but to have my, my cousin of whom is my best friend, I'd never met any of you guys. It was my only real best friend at the time to have him there with me was so important. So, uh, we started going every other year and that kind of stopped when I, uh, started going and playing music and shit. Uh, but it, it, it was always, it was always so fun. And we went one year and it was really wet. It was the year it rained its ass off and the crops didn't get cut in time. So we're walking full fields and not strips. And it was a fucking nightmare, bro. Like these birds did not want to fly. I mean, you'd walk hundreds of fucking yards without seeing a bird and then randomly see one and, and it would be a hen sometimes. Because you can only shoot males. Okay. Um, and then that that sucked. <laughs> that truly sucked. So four years ago, um, it was the first time I'd went in a long time, and we went out there. We had a good time, um, and it was it was really cool to relive all that. It was like I'd been out there for the first time again because it had been about five years since I'd done it. And then Grandpa asked me again last year. He said, hey, do you want to go? And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I do. I fucking ended up, you know, getting rid of my truck, sold that just to go. And because I, you know, well, not financially smart. And we, uh, we went and... Every time we go, we wonder, is this grandpa's last time? And this was a big talk with me and my cousin because, you know, I'm almost 30 at this point. 
he is older and, and, you know, his dad and grandpa, they're not getting any younger. So we tried to make this to the point where we cherished it the most. Right. Um, like any other men and family, we, all we did was fucking argue the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but it was all right. You know, it, looking back on it, it was such a good time. And like always, man, it's, we go out there and we, 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 we visit with family and friends and we, they have a thing out there called the gut shack, which is where they clean the birds. But it's mainly where all these people go when they're done farming and they just sit there and get fucked up. <laughs> I mean, they, they got a fucking, they got a cooler that's probably like six foot long, full of bush light. And then they got like a walk-in fridge built into this little shed full of bush light. Oh my God. And I mean, dude, the stories and the beer that gets drank there, it is just, it makes for such a good fucking time. And it, it would be a life that I could truly live every day and not get tired of it. You know, I dream of being able to go out there and help guide for a month at a time or something. Oh, that'd be dope. It would be, it's a dream, man. And I hope one day I get to experience that because it, uh, it, it's, it's one of my favorite hunts, man. I, I, as everyone can tell from this episode, I get fucking down with waterfowl hunting. I mean, that shit that I fucking, that's, that's my life. And, uh, but when I go out to South Dakota, man, it's just, it's a whole nother world. And I told grandpa, cause there, he's going this year. None of us were able to go. And I told him, I said, you're going to go one more year for me, aren't you? And he said, well, I don't know. He said, you know, it's expensive. I said, grandpa, I don't give a fuck how much money it costs. I said, I want you to go with me next year. And he was, uh, he was eating his dinner and he just, he just got this little smile on his face and he said, all right, we'll do whatever you want to do. Nice. So the last thing, and I have to, uh, turn over to, oh shit. I just hit my mic. Everybody heard it. I'm a <laughs> shitty fucking producer. I have to go get, um, I, this wasn't going to be part of the episode, but I have to read you something. So, I'll, um, I'm going to be right back. Okay. Now I'm sitting here alone, covered in deer piss. Uh, thinking about now I have to sell my entire life to be able to afford bibs. And, <laughs> oh, hey. Lucas I'm is back. back. <laughs> I heard it. I heard it. Sorry, it wasn't that far, but it's something that's hanging <laughs> on my wall. Um, so my first year out there, I shot a really nice pheasant. Um and, and most pheasant have a white stripe on the top of their head. And this one had like a blonde stripe. So grandpa was like, man, we need to get that thing mounted. I was like, I can't do that. He said, I don't give a fuck. He said, I'll, mount, I'll get it mounted for you. I said, all right. So we took it to the lady and she mounted it and sent it back to us. And um, this is still when I was not living in Front Royal. Um, but my grandpa got it ready for me. And I came up and he framed a picture of me, my cousin Scotty, him, and my uncle and our birds for that trip. And, you know, I got my long hair and, and he's got his arm around me. And on the back, he wrote, uh, one of my greatest hunts ever, Presho, South Dakota, October 2019 to Lucas from Grandpa. 
Fuck yeah. And um, that hangs in my uh, hunting room. That is awesome, man. Yeah. It's uh, right under my pheasant. And uh, it was a really good time, man. So he's going by himself this year? Yeah, he, um, whenever we're not able to go, uh, when things don't line up, he goes by himself because, um, his buddy used to meet him out there and he's got a, he's got a a good friend. His name's Lyle that lives in California and, um, he usually meets my grandpa out there to go hunting and, 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 uh, the guides will either, you know, um, get my grandpa in with another group or they'll, they do a lot for my grandfather and, um, (laughs) they actually, they have an online website. Um, and it's, uh, it's very old <laughs> and outdated. And, um, my grandpa is a contact. So throughout the year, my grandfather gets random calls from people in Texas, Ohio, Maryland, and they call him to ask him about his experience out there. And my grandpa is sitting on the phone for fucking 30 minutes talking to these people about pheasant hunting out there and uh you can go to the website and see his name on there and which is really cool but my grandfather's gone out there uh took grandma out there to see mount rushmore they they were gone for almost a month and grandpa hunted out there for two weeks and even helped guided some people nice so it is um i mean i can remember times where i'm in my grandpa Every man in my family, except for me and my cousin, because you know we're just starting our lives out. Really, they have a garage with a hunting room in it, and that's where all their trophies are. So I remember, you know, Grandpa would always grab my gun. He's like, "Come on, let me let me show you something." And and we'd be in his hunting room, and he'd be showing me how to walk with the gun, and and what ways are the best ways to get ready when the you hear the bird come up and how to click the safety off. And it's just um, sitting here talking about it. Uh, North Carolina has always been important to me, but South Dakota is definitely like the most important hunting thing I'll ever do. Cause it, it was with, uh, with grandpa and my uncle and my cousin. That's why I wanted to talk about it last. And I, and I didn't realize that until, uh, until now how, um, cause, cause to you, when I talk about stuff, you, can tell how important it is to me. Right. And to me, it's just another story. So I was, I was like, why do you give fuck so much about South Dakota? And I thought it was because it's like way away from us or whatever, but no. uh, it's, it's come to my like attention that you realized how important it is to me. And I didn't until we were talking about it. Yeah, man. There, it's, it's not because you're going out there to hunt. I, I could give a shit less, honestly, about that. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about deer piss, pheasants, guns, nothing. No, honestly, it's kind of horrifying. Uh, no, I, I, no, man, it? it's it's because of how important it is to you and the time and the memories you're creating with your grandfather. Because, yeah, like you and, said, um, is this his last one? Right, and and I I fear that. And I know it's going to happen one day, but um, I'm going to I'm going to push old man to his fucking limits, as you uh, should. Is 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 even if I have to fucking cart him around, we're we're going to go out there. And It'll make him live longer. Talking about memories and stuff, I have uh, two really big cork boards uh, that hang above my desk, 
and I have printed out pictures of hunts and stuff and that I look at all the time. And, and sometimes uh, when we get done gaming and it's late or whatever, I'll just sit here and look at all these pictures. And I'm like looking at some that stand out. And I have a picture of my first duck hunt. I have a picture of Gabby's first deer up here. I have a picture of me, you, and Nick at our wet at your wedding. Um, I look like a fucking teddy bear to you guys in that photo. Oh yeah, boy, we were looking <laughs> stout that day, son. <laughs> um, I have a picture of the day I shot my first deer with Grandpa in North Carolina. Mm, the first time Grandpa took me trout fishing. I have my first trip to South Dakota. Uh, when me, uh, grandma took a picture of when me and grandpa were skinning that big buck. So I have that up there and I have our most recent picture when we were in South Dakota, uh, with, uh, with Buck Coon, the man that's passed away. And, uh, there's a man named Gary that lives out in South Dakota who treats us like we are his family. And, uh, I got a picture of him and my grandpa drinking beer together. And, uh, it's just... A lot of people, and I was listening to uh, Joe Rogan's old episode with Steve Grinnell, um, and, and they were talking about how, you know, there's so much hate from either sides of the world uh, on hunting. And, you know, you could get into the political side of it, which we won't. And um, it's getting harder and harder to hunt anymore. Um, That's because people but, like taking the fun out of shit. Man, I'm telling you, we were hunting. Uh, I'll give you a few stories that I was told you I was going to tell you. But, uh, oh, I got to tell you uh, two stories about South Dakota before I forget. They're funny. To, I got in the sappy side of it. Let me tell you the funny side. So I had a girlfriend. Her name was Jacqueline uh, when I went 2009. Was she goth? To South Dakota. Uh, she was emo. She sucked. Anyway. Um, so she and me and her text a lot. and. When I got to South Dakota, you know, I didn't have that much service and she was blowing my phone up. Well, I have this habit of putting my phone between my legs when I'm in a vehicle. So our first day we're hunting out there, I was texting her, put my phone in between my legs. I didn't know that you, they'll drive you, pull you up to a spot and you got to get out so they can go to the other side to block. So we get to this field, I hop out, I grab everything and I didn't remember that my phone was between my legs. So we hunt, we have a good time and I get back in the truck and we get to the, the cabin we're staying at. And I'm like, I don't see my phone. And I tell my cousin, cause I'm scared shitless to tell my grandpa and my uncle. And he's like, maybe you put it in here. And we were like, Hey, we're going to go out and fill the cooler up for tomorrow. We're looking everywhere for this fucking phone, bro. Cannot find it. And <laughs> It's been like three days, right? Don't have my phone. Fucking haven't seen it. Haven't said a word to anyone. And my uncle, me and my cousin are upstairs playing poker. And my uncle calls me down. He's like, hey, like you called your mama? And I said, uh, no. He said, why don't you call her? And I said, okay, I'll call her in a little bit. He said, I want you to call her right now. And I said, well, here's the thing. He had the phone, didn't he? <laughs> no, bro. Oh, okay. <laughs> he was like, he was like, what's wrong? I was like, I lost my phone like three days ago. <laughs> So, um, I end up getting my uncle's cell phone, call my mom and, um, my mom's pissed. 
Oh my God, she's pissed. And so I'm like, whatever. I'm not going to let it ruin my day. The next day, mom calls my uncle. She was like, hey, someone found Lucas's phone. And I was like, huh? <laughs> someone had go, gone to that field to go hunting and went to open the fence to go in it and kept hearing a beep, 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 beep. And it was the low battery tone on my phone. And they fucking just found it in a random field. Oh my out God. Out in South Dakota and ended up giving it to me and I got it back. One year later, I'm 21. I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, I'm drinking with the boys. So we're on the flight. It's fucking like 10.30 in the morning. They're like, hey, can I get you something? I said, I want a Budweiser. <laughs> and I pull my ID out and I, you know, I put it back in my pocket. Don't put it back in my fucking wallet. We get to the hotel that night before we make the rest of the drive. You know, uh, I ended up uh, taking my pants off and didn't know, but my ID fell out of my pocket. Oh, man. One year later, because they gave me a rash of shit for losing my phone. And I uh, am, where am I? We, we were sitting in the gut shack after hunting one day, and I hadn't checked my wallet. And I get a text from someone and said, hey, are you in South Dakota? I'm like, who the fuck is this? Was someone, uh, I had like five mutual friends with them, and they all were from Cortland High School. I'm like, yeah, why? And this kid's like, hey, I work at the hotel you were at. I found your your license or your what? ID. And he was like, he was like, where are you from? And I was like, oh, I used to live in Spotsylvania. And he was like, dude, I went to Cortland. And he said, I'm a year older than you. And we started talking about people I knew and all this other stuff. He's like, I'm going to leave it at the hotel for you. Ended up. This motherfucker, had, I had met him before and didn't know it at a party. So all the way out in South Dakota, uh, that guy found my ID, but my uncle and cousin give me so much shit. They're like, everywhere we go, we could go to the fucking McDonald's down the street. They're like, <laughs> hey, you got your ID in your phone? So so that was, uh, that's those are two, I mean, every time we're out there, bro, they are up my ass. Oh, yeah, you got everything? That is fucking wild. Dude, it is crazy the luck I had. So now I fucking strap everything in my bag and fucking I leave my phone and all that shit in the truck. Shit so I would too. <laughs> I'm I'm a dog shit hunter. <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah, man, this um this episode was really, really fun to do, especially the ending. I really enjoyed that. I'm glad, man. I'm very glad. I was glad that we got to talk about this. I, I told you I've been excited for this episode for a while. Yeah, and it's it's definitely um I don't I have my buddies I hunt with, but I don't sometimes it doesn't feel like everybody cares about it as much as you do. You know what I mean? Right. That's understandable. So like whenever like this morning I went to go hunting and I drove to my buddy's house and cause I because I'm about an hour away from them. And, uh, you know, I'm there before everybody else. I get the lights turned on in the, in the little cabin we meet in. And I get a text from him. It's like, hey, I don't feel good. We ain't going this morning. And Oh, was, man. It gutted me, bro. I was like, and it probably wasn't even going to be a good hunt. But, I mean, it fucking gutted me. And uh, it's just, it's, it's a big importance of my life. And it's something that just brings so many good memories to life and so many good things I like sharing with my grandfather. So um, 
it was really cool to have such an interest on an episode. Yeah, man. I, I and like I said, I could get, I could obviously give a shit less about any of the questions I asked you or anything like. Well, I mean, I give a shit in the sense of like I like knowing your interests and things like that, but I wanted to get to the memories. I wanted to get to the right. things that made you fall in love with this shit. Yep, that's that's my family, man. That's right. It really is. So, um. Going along with this episode, we're going to throw in a link to Hunters for the Hungry. Uh, you can donate. For any hunters out there listening, you should know by now that you have excess meat. You can take it to Hunters for the Hungry. Find a location in your area. It is a awesome organization that every hunter should be a part of, especially when uh, you are in a good season and you've taken care of your family, take care of someone else. So Kyle's going to link that into our show description and we are this is the episode that we are comfortable enough that we're going to release this to social media so oh, once you get to this yeah once you get to this episode um which will take a while like follow subscribe we're probably going to do oh, twitter and facebook to start now. off Oh yeah, make sure you make sure you like, leave subscribe. a comment, make sure you hit that notification button. Exactly. We're Follow fucking douchebags. Exactly. <laughs> um Yeah, so follow us on all that good shit. Uh, we'll try. We got a good one coming up, man. We do. Uh next week's episode is going to be phenomenal. Which when people hopefully people are in, uh, into it enough to where they like catch up in a couple of days. And they can be excited for the next episode. We are uh, potentially going to have our first guest. Yes, we have to talk to them. But uh, if it is who I think it's going to be, uh, it's it's someone of high caliber that I respect. It's going to be a good time. It, oh, it, yeah, it's dude. yeah, yeah. But I will say this: after we do the next episode, we need to bring back some sort of teenage dirtbag episode, man. I want I want to get down. back into the laughs. <laughs> I'm down. Uh yeah, we've had some very uh sentimental shit. So it, I mean it's uh, great. Like doing these episodes have been awesome. But I'm I do want to laugh here, a little bit. <laughs> me too, because I was holding this picture and crying like a bitch. And uh so we'll we'll bring back some good stuff after this next episode. Something that everybody can laugh at. And uh so for everybody listening, we thank you. Thank you for in advance for following our social media. And uh, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Do not forget to get your fucking Mexican pizza tomorrow. Fucking right. All right, dude. Later. Later.